Hello and welcome to Kinetic West episode 331. I am your host, Mike Apps, aka Wheels, and with me as always. Tired and distracted, David McBurney, Family Master. And, uh, just, um, kind of wet and tired and frazzled in Japan, Michael Baker, Gaiji Mino Guitarian. So, uh, have a sleeping little girl in the next room. Uh. Yeah. Likely to remain unconscious for a while. Hopefully. <coughs> so, what have you been up to? Have you go first since we haven't really had you on. Yeah. Well, um, so I finished up Lost Ruins on Switch, which was fun while it lasted. Nice. <laughs> it's a it's a shorter sort of uh, Metroidvania. Nice. Just um. Uh, Kind of rough going in the first hour. Uh, so, you, you just have to realize that this isn't a game where you level up. This is a game where it's survival horror for most of its run. Oh, fun. Until you until you find enough equipment to um, and figure out how to um, how to properly deal with everything. Um, even so, late in the game, first first area enemies can and will kill you if you're not careful. And considering the fact that these first level enemies that can and will kill you are candy-colored slime girls that move too fast to hit properly, um, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes. And like until you get the the uh, electric spell and the uh, item that negates um, field electrical damage, you're gonna have to use evasive maneuvers on those things. <laughs> <sighs> this game sounds really hard. Um, it's. I mean, once you get farther into it, it gets progressively easier as you have more options to figure out how to deal with things. It's just the first first level is. Um, you're you're still trying to figure out how not to die. Is the best way to describe it. And other than that. Um, in the, the same bundle of discounts on the Switch, I got a um, game called Warriors of the Nile 2. <laughs> Very cheap. There was a one? Um, there was a one. Um, apparently it's a smartphone game originally. Uh, that explains it. So, yeah, it's a, uh, a squad-based tactical roguelike. Okay, that sounds pretty cool, actually. It, it actually it works really well. It, um I'm probably gonna do a like a impression or adventure corner for it or something. Um, I mean, it's it, it it should probably fall under our purview except it has like zero story, like literally zero story. It's like this is the situation you have to go deal with it, go deal with it, and that's it. <laughs> but it's actually it's really fun to play. It's um, got some good battle setups and. An interesting variety of units to unlock. Nice. It just has zero narrative. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's all I need. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if I'm to be honest, the the highly questionable localization efforts would probably be more noticeable if there was an actual story to read. 
Um, as it is, I can ignore most of the interestingly mangled um, verb tenses in the item and skill descriptions. And some of the more idiosyncratic uh, word use. At least it's not wasted on something with something worth reading. Yep. I mean, it's a fun little game. Um, there's multiple points where you can choose which battle you want to do in the in the sequence. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of variety that you can choose through, and the, I think it cycles through different bosses for each chapter. So, because I know I've I've met multiple bosses for each um, each of the three chapters I've gone through. Hmm. Yep. But otherwise, um, what have you guys been up to? Not a whole lot of games recently, actually. Like, I just got Star Ocean 2R in the, in the mail, so I'll probably be getting into that a bit later. But not a lot on my plate. What about you, Wheels? Uh, I've been on a level 5 kick after firing up Yokei Watch 3 just to play something mm -hmm. vaguely Halloween-y, so I've uh, been playing <laughs> lots of Yokei Watch 3 and 4. Uh, yeah, a lot of that. Both very good. <laughs> um, you know, I talked a lot about Yokei Watch 3 in the last episode. Uh, I'm playing some more 4, which uh, uses just kind of more straightforward action RPG combat, but it's it's still really good. Kind of mixes in some of, like, Yokei Watch blasters in that way, so it's different. It's really a shame that we never got an official localization, or at least haven't to this point. I, I don't think we will. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the point where the the series and the company was going into a slump. Yeah. Already. Yeah. Also, they announced one like five years ago, and then they shut down their English localization branch. Yep. So yeah, that's <laughs> that project is probably dead. Yeah, and I don't. It feels like not something they would trust to another company either i would feel like but i don't know <clears throat> level five at least has a slate of games coming up and hopefully we'll see those i did they announce any of those projects for the west i can't remember i, I think they announced it. all of them they showed up on nintendo direct oh, yeah that's west. right they did okay so yeah. that's good at least i i can I can verify that Ushiro is still ranking as one of the top requested games in Famitsu Magazine. Hmm. It's going on. I'm not quite sure how many years it's been since that one was quietly dropped, but it was PSP. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's been like 12 years. At some point it becomes a meme. I mean, considering it's very consistent how many hundred people are requesting this every week, about 500. Um... Yeah, it's 
it's just a very dedicated little group that's keeping this thing on the lists. It's very funny. <laughs> they believe they will never give up. Oh, Firerunner says, I can't wait for the new Inazuma 11 game, yeah. Yeah, that seems like the most consistent of their series. Yeah, I mean, finally... it's, it was their money making long. Yeah, I mean, finally have played I... some of that, and it's really fun. Yeah. Though, I mean, they finally did have to give up the naming rights to the soccer stadium in Fukuoka. Yeah, that would have been a difficult expense to justify when they were in yeah. a slump. Yeah. But just the fact that they they had it for ten years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that, that's I mean that that's that's a brag point for a company. Yeah. Yeah. For a company that's not Yahoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh, uh, what wheels? I'm just looking at some of the future version of. The yokai in this game. They're really weird looking. Did you expect anything less? No! <laughs> they gotta be weird. They have to be weird and based off of some obscure Japanese pun that almost barely doesn't fail to completely non translate into English. Yeah, but it's not even that. It's. So you go into the future in this game. And there's mm -hmm. like a future version of Whisper and Jibanyan, and they just look wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it kind of rules. The most illegal Jibanyan. Yeah. Or Jibanyan. Yeah, Jibanyan. Jibanyan. The Ba and the Nya are separate. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, and that's the pun, baby. <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah, if you have any more questions over what in the world the joke is supposed to be with one of those yokai, I <laughs> might may be able to explain it. Give me some time to. I'm gonna have to write them down as they come up. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, what's the name of the personal trainer guy? Oh God. Uh... Let's see. Uh, I need to look that one up or it's going to bother me. Uh, okay, that's not what I was expecting the Google search to turn up. <laughs> <laughs> Yokai strength personal training in Massachusetts. <laughs> sure, why not? I think you have a road trip to make. Oh my god, what the hell is this character's name? Well, I mean, oh, Sergeant Burley. There you go. I knew it was some kind of. Yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, I, I had no idea what the joke was supposed to be with him until a couple of years ago when my 
Japanese nephew was into the series and he had some of the pictures and it was um I was up there for Christmas and like I think my mother-in-law and my aunt were laughing at it because he's obviously a parody of a this like this it's called Billy's Boot Camp. It's a an exercise video series that was popular about a decade and a half ago. Well, okay then. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I hadn't put it together before then, but no, it really is. Um, um, yeah, Billy's boot camp. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm impressed with the effort that's gone into this game that you're streaming right now. I'm not sure if I should just say it. <laughs> it's fine, you can. Yeah, I'm impressed at the effort that's gone into this translation of Yokai Watch 4. Mm -hmm. I yeah, have... yeah, I don't know. I have weird suspicions, like I did for the one for Yokai Watch Blasters 2. That it might have mm -hmm. come from, in part, from some cancelled official one? Or... Yes. I have no, I have zero evidence of that. I just want to make that very clear. It's, <laughs> it's just, it's either that, or they just... Did a really good job. Did, did a really good job, and we're well. It's it's, so, it's both the, the style. Yeah, I was gonna say it's not just the the dedication to the style; it's the speed at which it was done. Like, yes, a lot of fan translations, even really like especially really loving ones, take a really long time because you it's don't like have. <laughs> yeah, so this is kind of surprising <laughs> but what was I going to say something about it yeah this is, this is impressive like if you had just told me hey this is the, the official <laughs> thing I would have been like yeah sure I'd believe it yeah. guess I just missed that <laughs> but was I going to say something about it um, do you mind if I go a bit into Star Ocean 2 or no go for it Go ahead. So my so so my copy of that finally arrived. The Switch version was sold out on Amazon for like two weeks. Uh, I guess they. Wow. I assume that they just didn't expect to sell that many physical copies, and so ran out. But. Uh, what you're going to do when you republish the probably the most loved game in the entire series? Oh yeah, and you can tell that everyone who worked, uh, like everyone who was working on this, was trying to maintain what made the game so good, while making it mm -hmm. easier for people who hadn't already committed the game to memory to understand how to do any of it. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, the game original game was like predicated on. It's like we're not gonna. Um, there's lots of extra little things for you to discover, possibly on a second or third playthrough. We're not gonna tell you what they are. Yeah, it's an in. It's a game of near infinite detail, and mm -hmm. uh, this is basically just giving you a lot of ways to figure out where the details are. Also, I need to use the bathroom real quick. I'll be back. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. Yeah. yeah, Oglin, if I haven't actually played Star Ocean Two, I've still got a PlayStation copy on the shelf somewhere that I got picked up for cheap. I haven't either. Um. <laughs> Yeah, it's... I I do know who all the characters are because I did play Blue Sphere, uh. which is surprisingly good for a 
probably non-canon funny sequel. I say non-canon because there's, if I remember right, there's no possible way to have all those characters in the same party, but you do for Blue Sphere. Hmm. Yeah, I picked up both of the PlayStation remakes back in the day and got really bored with one, so I just never got to do. Yeah. I know I got pretty far on one on for Super Famicom, I just never finished it. And when I tried to get back onto it a couple years later, I had no idea where I was or what I was doing. It was like, nah, okay. Oh, Fireminer has an interesting comment on the stream here. He says, if you go to 2chan, sometimes you can find game developers leaking some really interesting things. About a year ago, there was a leak of the password that you used to unpack game asset files in several visual novels that used the game engine made by Alisoft. Interesting. Oh, Very interesting. I guess the other part of this just could be, like, given that it's Yokai Watch, it might just be easier to translate. Not necessarily. It's true. I mean, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, first of all, we don't know how wacky the code is that's underpinning the thing. Also, that's also true. Quite true. Um, second, good dialogue consistency is really difficult. Also true. Third, just the amount of time needed to work up reasonable translations of some of the naming puns. That's true. I, I have no idea how how um, any or I'm assuming that most of them are translated into something equivalent in English. In which case, <laughs> this is going to be yeah. really difficult. I yeah, and I wouldn't know this far in how how good that is because so far it's only been like existing yokai so I, I don't know it, well except for one which is slimander i think hmm slimander sli or sly i think uh, i think sly because the character is said to call him sly when he's not in his shadow side form <clears throat> well, this is, the name of at least, this is the name of at least two or three fake Pokemon on DeviantArt as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's an obvious thing to make. Um, Fireminer's asking what kind of social media uh, people in Japan use. Um, well, you'll find Japanese people in a lot of the regular ones, even though... They tend to be kind of cautious about it, but um, Line is the most common one for just keeping in touch with people. Hmm. So, like, um, even, like, the teachers at a school will use Line to coordinate things, like, during tests. Hmm. Are you explaining Line like the social network? Yeah, Fire yeah. Manor was asking. Hmm.
<coughs> Excuse me. Farmer uh, says my older brother living in Japan has been complaining about his wife and daughter getting too much into TikTok. But that doesn't <laughs> well, TikTok is a kind of brain virus to begin with. Yeah. But yeah, um, Instagram is a thing over here, so is TikTok. But oddly enough, Line is still the dominant one for actual use. Mm -hmm. I feel like Line is used more for communication. TikTok, it's not really built for that. No. Uh, yeah, uh, to continue on the Star Ocean 2 tear, they've they've done a lot of little things to sort of make it a little easier to touch on some of the excuse me, touch on some of the things that uh, that allow you to really customize the game. Uh, the for example, like the skills that you use uh, to upgrade your characters, they're all like uh, they're all unlocked from the beginning. You don't have to go to a skill shop, which was like this weird bit of busy work you had to do at the start of the game in the original version. Where you'd have to go to skill shops across the main continent in order to get all the skills, and it didn't really do anything other than kind of waste your time and money. <laughs> It's all just gone. You just have them. Okay, that's at least one good alteration. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, I'm marshalling my brain. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, but, uh, for example, continuing on the skill tip, there is, when you uh, invest in a skill, it tells you what specialties that skill is connected to. So you don't have to just, mm -hmm. like, select a bunch of skills and then sometimes they'll unlock a specialty. It's just like, hey, this skill... Uh, does this and contributes to that specialty. So like the first one, determination. This lowers the amount of SP that skills cost, and also it uh, contributes to the train specialty. And so you're you're not firing blind about what to buy, uh, or what so, to invest in, I should say. So they've made it more transparent. Yeah. In general, that's been kind of the rule. They make things more transparent and easier to access. You can fast travel to any place you have been with just a press of a button, which makes it much easier to go back to, for example, if you're trying to get certain characters that require you to backtrack uh, across the continent, especially at the start of the game, that's much faster now. You can switch from being in town alone or being uh, like you can switch from being in town with your party to being in town as a private action by just pressing the Y button 
or square button or whatever while in town, and that'll just instantly switch you from normal uh, from normal party to private action. Uh, so it's much easier. The game marks on your mini map where the private actions are. It's much easier to find them. Uh, I've I've seen some Gronyards, um complaining about that because apparently trying to backtrack and figure out where all the private actions are was part of the fun for them. Yeah, like, I, 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 I I understand on some level wanting the game to feel bigger and like private actions being something you just run into did have that effect. But the thing is. It would take you at least three playthroughs to see all of them, and I'm pretty convinced it would probably be closer to four or five. Yeah, so and which is part of the reason why they didn't do that. Yeah, it's it's why they tell you where the ones that you can access are because some of them require really strange party combinations or conditions. Also, your screen your stream is going yeah. nuts. Yeah, I know. I don't know why it's doing that. But, uh, yeah, so the, like all, the skill system has been overhauled in a way that doesn't change how it functions, but does completely uh, rewrite the book on how you interact with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which... So is this, um, is this in any way similar to how later games did it? Uh, no, it's more transparent than any of those. <laughs> it, they're probably working on some complaints from the previous games as well. Yeah, but the previous game, like the thing is that the mechanical similarity between games was so limited that this still feels like kind of its own beast. Yeah. Uh, By the way, Fireminer says he remembers doing five playthroughs to see all the endings. Yeah. Oh yeah, the the game I think also has like an ending uh, collection now, so it's like, hey, here's all ninety nine endings. Good luck. Oh, there are um, 99 endings? Oh, it, because you have... You yeah, have all the paired endings. endings. There's some uh, special paired endings that only... like My favorite of the weird things that you can do with paired endings is certain party members have special interactions for private actions they can do with NPCs, so there are special endings for those characters. But... Yeah, the so yeah, you can get large com- if you know how to game the relationship system, you can get large combinations of endings from one playthrough, but probably not more than about 20 or 30. So uh but you you still got a lot. Scenes. Yeah, ending scenes. But uh it's there's there's some interesting ones uh like if you leave one character to die, then the person who was looking for them, uh, if you don't pair them up with someone else, gets a special ending where it's like, oh, because of circumstances, they're back, but also I am, I am no closer to finding them. Uh, so they get a special ending where they're going looking again. Uh, oh yeah, speaking of characters, they made one set of characters harder to miss. Uh mm-hmm. Specifically, the characters of Opera and Ernest are... Mm -hmm. uh, In the original, you have to hit a very specific private action uh, pretty early on to make sure that it's open. And it's not hard to hit that if you're just messing around with private actions. But because that scene is weird... Not scene, but that system is weird and kind of opaque... Uh, a lot of players never found them, especially because I don't think that the manual references them. 
Talk about secret characters. Yeah, they were they were uh, the the secrets within the game, and uh, you you could find them by you had to do like that one uh, key scene, and then specifically you could not get another character, Ashton, because that would immediately lock off those other characters. But you wouldn't really have a way of knowing that that was the case. So you just sort of had to kind of know how it worked or randomly stumble into them because you didn't notice the all of the much more obvious hints of where Ashton was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Opera and Ernest are easier to run into because the triggering event flag is no longer a private action. So it's actually That's impossible cool. to miss. Because it's it was a private action that took place on a route that you have to go through in order to advance the story. So they made it so that those characters are surfaced in a much uh, greater fashion. So you'll be able to actually get them without a guide. Uh, the backgrounds that they've done, like they they did something that I thought was really interesting and would be kind of neat to see other sprite-based PS1 games do. Uh, because they, you know, it, it looks like an HD2D uh, style game, like an Octopath or something. And so they, they kind of understood that the sprite work in that PS1 era, especially for something like Star Ocean 2, that's a really gorgeous-looking game, there was no need mm -hmm. to touch that. The characters kind the character sprites are maybe slightly retouched, but not really. I was going to say, they'd have to be retouched just a little bit to accommodate for the fact that the TVs are different now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, they'd already, like, they'd yeah. already done some slight retouching for the PSP's widescreen aspect ratio. but uh, I mean, just like for the fact that they're all digital TVs now. Yeah, they, I mean, they'd done that sort of retouching as necessary for Second Evolution on PSP because that was digital and widescreen. But... Okay. Uh, in, in general, there you know the the retouching is so limited that it doesn't it doesn't uh, look or feel any different. But they're running through environments that are like nice HD two D, and they don't they don't look wrong because that whole HD two D sprite look already is emulating like the high quality PS one era sprites. So it it just looks really good. They've done some really nice things to the combat because back in back in like two thousand when the game came out. Uh, just having action combat was kind of novel. Uh, it, it was still was not common for like a big RPG like that to have like action combat. But you go back to Star Ocean Second Story and its original release, and it's it's very simplistic. Uh, you you can run around and you can hit things, and you don't have a lot of strong like a. There's no such thing as combos in the original version. Like, you hit a button and you attack, and that doesn't chain into anything. Uh, there's there's special moves, uh, but that's, that's it. Uh, in Second Story R, they've added, like... In Second Evolution, they added the ability to, like, each character had, like, a two- or three-hit combo, but they didn't really do anything else to it. But with second story R, they've they've kept the three hit combo concept, but they seem to have readjusted everyone's hitboxes so that 
they, they could be a little finicky in the original, which leads me to think that certain characters who had kind of sucky hitboxes might be significantly buffed by the new combat. Uh, but in general, they, they, did, they did a lot to... Uh, to, to sort of make the combat feel a little more modern. Like, a, it has a little bit more going on without completely rewriting it. So, like, there's a dodge button now. You get rewarded for doing perfect dodges. Uh, enemies have, like, a break meter to reward you for, like, being aggressive. Uh, there's, like, a bonus meter that goes up as you kill enemies and do perfect dodges and that sort of thing. So there's a lot of things to sort of, like gussy up the core combat without completely rewriting how it functions. Uh, I, I think that it's mostly it's mostly for the best. The game can be difficult, uh, but it's usually not because something feels primitive or super janky. Uh, no, it's, it's one of those things that, like, it feels like... One of the single most loving, like, I struggle whether to call it a remaster or a remake, but whatever you want to call it, it's... What percentage of new material would you say? Oh, very little. It's just the core game. It's just presented in a much different fashion. Re this is a remaster. <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things, like, to, like, as we speak officially a super mario rpg that is being called a remake is coming out that seems as similar if not more so <laughs> yeah but uh but yeah but i mean i mean like my my standards include like the saga remakes which were really absolute remakes um yeah it's complicated like... how to define these <laughs> yeah but it's i think it's mostly like how much of it can you reasonably look at and say, yeah, this is the same game? Yeah. And they, they were really yeah. trying to... Like, it's clear that their mission statement was to just make it so that new players could experience what made the game originally so good. Like, it was designed with the idea that there was nothing to apologize for about the original game. There was nothing wrong with it. It was just, how do we make it so that everyone... how That new players can understand how good it always was. Yep, that's a remaster. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it's one of the most loving and thoughtful ones I've ever seen. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's, well, the good ones it, usually are. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, I never would have guessed that Star Ocean 2, a game that I have that I love with all my heart, and feels like one of those games that, like, anyone who actually played it at the time has, like, just a strong adoration for, but, like, you know... There's only so many people that played it at the time. Uh, I was not one of them, because I started with its sequel. Oof, I'm sorry. Uh, yep. it, is, it is impossible to define. I think I've mentioned this before, but <laughs> few games have ever been capable of hurting me the way that Star Ocean 3 <laughs> did, and I did not even get I'm, to the part people hate. Like, I did not get I'm to the just, twist. I'm just remembering way back around... 2002, 2003, um, and maybe more 2000 to 2003 period, and just the number of random web comics I know that had some sort of visual or storytelling reference to Star Ocean Two. Mm -hmm. um, and this one indie, like an, an early RPG maker game on out on the internet that was in French, and I was playing mm -hmm. it for some reason, 
And the story was absolutely bonkers, and the sprite work was kind of iffy, but you could also definitely tell that they had lifted several characters from Star Ocean 2 to be characters in this game. <laughs> um, Ashton, in particular, kind of stood out. Yeah, the dragon, the dragon back it, boy is going <laughs> to... Yeah. It was like, I, I did not understand what was going on um, or why some of these characters were looking the way they were until I saw something promotional for Star Ocean 2 later. And I was like, oh, that's where they got those characters. <laughs> no actual connection to them in story-wise, but just, yeah. Yeah. Miner says, Star Ocean 3 remake next? No. They already. I mean, if you want to do a remaster f- of that on PS4, if, also. I was going to say, they already did I mean, the for latest two as well. Games, those are going to require some remakes. Like, I'm going to yeah. point out, in Japan, this is the second version of the second PS4 version of Star Ocean 2 you can buy. There was a dreadful, there was a dreadful upport of Second Evolution to PS4 that just stretched the shit out of it and upresed it in a really ugly fashion, and we never got that, and I'm fine with that now. <laughs> also, Fireminer said, should we talk about the cameo characters from the sequel in Star Ocean 2R? Is he suggesting? There are cameo characters from that piece of There's, shit in this game. I recall, I recall one. I don't know what the other ones are because I never finished Star Ocean Three. But there's one named Welch who was added as an optional bonus party member. I was going to uh, say, well, I was going to guess if there was anybody added in, it would have to be Welch, just because she shows up in like three, and then she becomes a like an in-game re- in-series reference for every other game in the series. Yeah, she's supposed she to be one of the everything. like four-dimensional beings that. Is playing yeah, the MMO that Yeah, um, I was gonna say yeah. If if I had to guess, it would have been okay. Well, she's added to the game, isn't she? Yeah, and she's it's she's like, a bonus party member that like forces her way into the party because she can. <laughs> yep, it's like if I hear oh, there's a random reference character in a new in a new Atelier game. My first guess is gonna be it's Pamela. <laughs> Just because they love putting Pamela in new games. Yeah, just kind of a mascot that shows up. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say that I really appreciate about this as well is when Star Ocean the Second Story came out, it had character art that it's not bad, but it's also very, like, it's not polished the way you expect certain game art to be for character portraits. It has a certain look to it that's hard to define. And then with Second Evolution, they redrew it, but they redrew it in this really cheap-looking late-aughts anime style that is really focused on like thin lines and bright colors that doesn't suit the game's aesthetic very well. And with Second Story R, they've redone, and I feel like the biggest thing that bothered me while looking at it was that it made every character look three to four years younger. So it ends up making, like, the game's heroine look like she's, like, 13. And it's just really weird looking, and I I never cared for that art style. So they've, what they've done with Second Story R is they've made, they've done new portraits that also look modern, but they're very like dark colors and lots of lines in a way that like 90s art tended to be even though they're very clearly like yeah, 2010s art the exact style of art yep yep yeah something that looked like so, off the back of the boat from going into slayers yeah 
But yeah, in general, like this is a more 2010s looking art, but it feels more in step with the original's art design, so I'm fine with it. The game also just lets you switch between all three character portrait styles if that's what you want. Yeah, I poked uh, around with that. I'm like, you know, I like the new one the best. Yeah, I think <laughs> second story art, like se second story R's art is definitely the best option of the three if you don't have a lot of nostalgia for the original art. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a really it, it looks really good. Like it, they they've really got the the art direction. Like it's a really loving remake in a way that or not remake remaster in a way that I never thought that we'd get for Star Ocean Two because it's one of those games that people love, but like there's not there there isn't a ton of us. <laughs> but it seems like people people like. The the reaction to the game has been like, holy shit, everyone, please don't sleep on this classic again. Mm. And oh, Fireminer oh. says, uh, no, we've got Roddick and Faye and Star Ocean 4, 5, and 6 per tags as assault units. Slash <laughs> Strikers. And, and, yeah, I have not run into those yet. But I, I assume Faye was supposed to be Fate. Like Fate Line God, the protagonist of Star Ocean Three, they they fucking. So, so one thing I will say: Trace won the like ridiculous RPG name, uh, race with a fucking bullet with the one-two punch of Fate Line God and Edge Maverick. Jesus. And then like, forgotten about that and, one. And then they just like stopped doing that. Like they so like. Roddick is mostly a name. Claude is absolutely a name. Uh, we have Fate and Edge, and then we have like Fidel and Ray. <laughs> and it's like, man, those those that three and four, you t you two sure are the odd men out. But I love it. I love it. It, it does. I like five and six. So I have the strong belief that the more that a Star Ocean protagonist's name is a real-ass human name, the more that the game has a chance of being good. <laughs> but... Uh, finish some secret objectives, objectives or so here to get them. Well, someone will have to I'm tell me good. how to get the... how you get the uh, Star Ocean 3 ones, so I cannot do that. So, like, I will say, as, as mentioned, like, I, I do want to put into stone why I don't like Star Ocean 3, because it has nothing to do with the twist I never actually reached. Uh, and it was, in, <laughs> it was entirely a gameplay disappointment. Uh, Star Ocean 2, while working within an obvious Japanese RPG framework of the time, is still a remarkably open game. You can do a lot. It looks like you picked Reina for your protagonist? Yes. Got it. Uh, that only affects one character choice. Also, this is the scene that you ha you used to have to like go into private action mode to run into, to unlock Opera and Ernest. But, uh... Yeah, so... Uh... No, come back, three-eyed guy. Three -eyed guy. No. But, yeah, so what I was going to say was... Uh, so, Star Ocean 3, when you... Uh, like, the things that really bothered me is that, like, Star Ocean 2 is, after the first couple hours, remarkably open. Once you're done with Cross here, you kind of just go around the first continent 
and you can run into some side quests, you can run into characters, there's not a lot bound, there's a lot of stuff that you don't have to do, or like, basically are never pulled into unless you find the right characters. It's a remarkably open game. You have two required party members, uh, like, a choice between, like, 12 uh, characters to fill up the other six slots, 13 additional characters in uh, second story R, uh, because we're including Welch. So you had, and, and you could also just choose not to let people join you, even if they were asking you to join. You could just say, nah, I don't care. You can get to the end of the game with just Claude and Reyna. There's no reason to do that, but you can. And that <laughs> sense of openness was really exciting, and there really wasn't and still isn't anything that uses this traditional Japanese RPG framework, but still has that sense of openness. Uh, and discovery that Star Ocean Two had, and I could think three, of a few, but they they weren't always as involved on other sides. Like the sub, what was that? Okay, sorry. Um, an autoplay something. Okay, um, but yeah, I can think of a couple games that had like open exploration and just finding new stuff, and but mm -hmm. most of them never left Japan. Yeah, so. and and also just like. The, the attention to detail that Star Ocean 2 had was refreshing at the time. There's a lot of stuff that this game does that, like, oh, that's cute that it does that. Um, one of the ones that's going to... That, that shows up that I always thought was really funny is... So later in the game, uh, you... Uh, you get into the, the traditional tournament arc, because every game has to have one. Uh, mm -hmm. Or at least every game did at the time. And yeah. so, like, if you're playing Every as Reyna... Game, manga, yeah. yeah. Every game, manga, and TV show to come out of Japan. Mm -hmm. yes. So if you're, if you're playing as Reyna, you, you go off with, uh, with another character, and he ends up selecting a specific uh, unique blacksmith uh, that is, like, just incredibly... Uh, like, the most talented blacksmith in the city... Uh, like a real mom and pop blacksmith, <laughs> but uh, if you're playing as Claude, what it has you do is there's like five weapon stores, and it has you go around and like compare what uh, incentives they'll offer if you if you agree to let them sponsor you, and just the notion of like, oh yeah, of course, it's the combat tournament. Of course, a weapon shop is going to sponsor you. <laughs> Is really like just a neat bit of detail that no other game ever did, and they all like there. There are really good sponsors, and there's like less good sponsors, and it's just really neat that it does that at all. But then, like, if you know the game inside now, if you go back, to, if you, if Claude gets all the way to the fight against the the guy that Reyna is working with. And, like, that's an imp impossible-to-beat fight. You will lose. There's no way around it. But if you get there, like, the guy you were fighting is impressed enough that he tells the, blacks the, the like, blacksmith that he was sponsored by, give the sword that you sponsored me with to, the, to Claude. And then, if you know how to 
use uh, if you know how to if you have high enough blacksmithing skill, you can then turn that into the best weapon in the game. <laughs> and you get this like a quarter of the way through the game. Oh. Yeah, it's nuts. It's absolutely bonkers. Uh, I, I should say debatably the best weapon in the game because there's so many weapons that have weird properties that there's an argument to be made for a few others. There's one that the f the longer the fight gets, the stronger it becomes. Uh, well, that's... It's going to be fun against certain boss fights. Yeah... Uh, if you if you want to fight like the level two hundred and fifty version of the final boss, uh, that that might be uh, worth having. Uh, there's a special ver uh, like there's there's a few different weird uh, dark horse contenders for best weapon in the game for Claude. Uh, he like he has that he has the the one that you can craft early in the game. It's variously called the Eterna or the Eternal Sphere. I actually kind of like the name Eternal Sphere, but uh, I think that was for the PS One translation, which is otherwise a quite bad translation in a lot of places. Um, but I kind of like the name Eternal Sphere. It's very evocative. But what that does is it has crazy high attack power, but it also hits like five times every time you hit someone with it. <laughs> so it's oh. ridiculous, especially in the context of the original game where there are no combo attacks. Uh, but yeah, you have, uh, I think it's Holy Sword Farwell that, uh, that gets stronger the longer that the fight goes on. There's, there's one that's called like Levantine that just has like just an absurd, yeah. That has like it's, just, um, Loki's sword from mythology. Yeah, and that one just has uh, like by by the numbers. If you just look at numbers, that's the strongest sword in the game. I think it's like the Eternal Sphere is like fifteen hundred uh, in your attack stat, and I think Levantine is like four thousand. <laughs> like a truly like. nuts number. It's over uh, 9,000. But yeah, like I, I love that it's the kind of game where you can have like a, de a, a meaningful debate about, well, what is the best sword? <laughs> There's a number of things that could make, that you could make a reasoned argument for. Uh, it's, it's just a game like loaded with detail and fun, uh, like just fun things to discover playthrough after playthrough. <laughs> And you can find, like, just weird, quirky interactions. Uh, and so it, it kind of feels better that the game is, like... By PS1 RPG standards, it's not super long. Uh, a a non-completionist playthrough can probably get through in, like, 25, 30 hours. Uh, but, you know, if you just want to go nuts with stuff, you will find... A game that has as much depth as human as as you can handle. Uh, there is, uh, I like one of my favorite things is the pickpocketing system, which is quite infamous. Uh, when you generate your character at the start of the game, uh, sometimes they will have a skill called nimble fingers, 
the mm -hmm. basically like you can develop any of these skills you can develop nimble fingers but it's kind of frustrating to develop nimble fingers because it requires you to essentially just accept that your first few pickpocketing attempts aren't going to work uh but some of the things you can pickpocket are absurd uh in one of the first villages there's a villager that has something in their pocket called a treasure chest and that's just an item that sits in your inventory and when you open it it has a giant it, it has a list of items that it can generate based on that and you'll never guess there's some uh there are some truly like cracked weapons you can find there uh there's a party member who is from space and so he has like space armor but for some reason he's not sharing it so if you just go into private actions you can steal shit from him and he'll have a bunch of battle suits <laughs> which are like again one of those things that you can you could debate endlessly is like what's the best armor in the game but the battle suits are definitely in that conversation and he just has them <laughs> motherfucker uh, <laughs> But uh, there is one of one of my favorite like nonsense things is that in order to fight the bonus bosses like Gabriel Celeste and the uh, Ethereal Queen, you have to go deep into the game's bonus dungeon and uh, play music to draw them out. Like, you need to have taught all of your party members to play music uh, to unlock the super specialty of, like, orchestra. <laughs> and I do actually kind of remember something like that from the first Star Ocean game. Yeah. And they, they just... Uh, so, if you want to lure them out, you get deep into that bonus dungeon and play that. And there's just all sorts of just cute things you can find in the game. One of the best accessories in the game is just the Tri-Ace logo. <laughs> it's just really fun. That's, I think it's come across several games that they made. Yeah, yeah. The Tri Emblem shows up in a number of games, but this is the first first one I saw it in because it was the first Tri Ace. This was my first Tri Ace game, which is why oh. uh, I developed a love for them that cannot be killed, no matter how many bad games they made. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, to to close out the Star Ocean three comparisons and why that game was able to hurt me so much, obviously. Star Ocean 2, one of my favorite PS1 games, one of my favorite RPGs ever, still to this day. Uh, Star Ocean 3, almost completely linear. There's very little uh, chance to go off the beaten path. There's very little reward for doing so. Your party is largely kind of just predetermined. At the very end of the game, they give you a choice of a handful of characters, most of which, like, you can tell that we got the director's cut where they were trying to sort of address this issue because, like, this was this was very out of the ordinary for the series to that point. Uh, so they they took a couple of characters who I believe were required in the original version and made them technically optional. You have the option to re-recruit them at endgame or replace them with some new ones. But the new ones are... They start at level one. Oh. <laughs> There's no reason to do this to yourself. Um... So it's bad, um, and it just like it wasn't what I wanted. It just was not the game that I wanted. And like I've complained before about like being able to die from running out of MP is just really obnoxious. Uh, I, I don't like the the combat was more complex in Star Ocean Three, but I don't like the ways in which it is complex. 
Uh, I have seen high-level Star Ocean 3 play, and it involves someone, like, customizing their, like, their fastest skill. It was literally just kicking them, like, just kicking the opponent, and just customizing it to, like, have crazy uh, MP draining capacity and just MP killing everything. And it was like, this is miserable, and I have no desire to ever do it in my life. Um and like that's it's it's so it's so long there's just it doesn't have that sense of freedom i just i just never i never connected with star ocean 3 whereas like i imprinted on star ocean 2 like a baby duck um but yeah I mean, i'm gonna hit some of these questions is suikoden for a bigger disappointment than star ocean 3 no uh <laughs> I, I I would not say so. It's impossible for me to accurately judge this because I could not find Suicoden 1 and 2 to play at the time. I feel like if you played Suicoden 3, the writing was kind of on the wall because Suicoden 3 is a, has a lot of really good things about it, but it's really slow and really drawn out. And so you're already like, your expectations have already started to dip. And then 4 comes out and it's like, oh, this is kind of bad. But it it still looks like the kind of... It, like, you can still tell that, like, someone was trying to make the game you wanted, they yeah. just fucked it up real bad. I don't think it's even <laughs> that bad. I just think it's... Compared... Co well, just compared to what the rest of the series is, it's kind of just more... plain. Eh. But if you maybe compared it against... Say, Star Ocean 3. kind of <laughs> looks, looks a little better. Hmm? And, uh, yeah. or, not, not to mention I mean, that unlike Star Ocean 3 Suicoden 4 was followed by followed up by a much better game oh uh, yeah 5 five is a real return to form yeah uh, one, one thing I can also give another, another question is um, how would people think of it if they just took the game by itself without yeah. the other games of the series yeah I think I think if you play Suicoden 4 by itself you it might not be your favorite game in the world but there's something to be there's something to like there yeah but playing Star Ocean 3 by itself I've seen plenty of people just be completely consternated by <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe if Suicoden 4 was not Suicoden 4 it was I don't know John Eric RPG with ships <laughs> Who may have been better received? I don't know. Age of uh, the Great Age of Sail. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but I mean, by at, I that, mean, at that point, that name. Uh, that name was a milestone. Yes, that name <laughs> meant a lot, and so uh, it carried a lot. I was gonna more say like, uh, like I finally got that review of Lufia and the Curse of the Sinistrals up, and it's like mm -hmm. that's a point there too. It's like would this game have been better received if it were not marketed as a remake. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And it probably would have been. I yeah. think if people Honestly, didn't... it would have been much better received, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, they wouldn't even have to change the series name because, honestly, yeah, Lufia was... 3 and 4 were just that bad. This would have been considered much better. If yeah, they and also to just... Like, like referencing Lufia 2 is kind of what Lufia does at this point, so people wouldn't have been surprised that a new game was referencing Lufia 2. Thank you for the bits, Fireman. Uh, so to hit some more of these... Uh, please, please tell uh, me this character I'm talking to I get in my party. 
She's just going to immediately ask to join. She is the easiest party member to recruit. <laughs> like, you have to <coughs> actively not want Selene in your party to not get Selene in your party. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, Selene's a lot of fun. Uh, but let's see. Uh, can all of Star Ocean Force problems be boiled down to the story and characterization? I'd say that's my biggest issues with it. If you just are playing the if you're just like it has a fairly strong combat system i think the other issue is just that like uh some of the art direction is not so great i i don't think that the the art style translated well to the characters i think that four has a lot of interesting ideas about uh trying to finally like fulfill a an idea that people had for the series that they wanted it to be essentially anime Star Trek the RPG. And if it were just better episodes of Star Trek, I think we'd be, we'd have something. But uh, it's generally like, they're kind of the, it's like, oh, this is the TNG season one Star Trek game. Uh, and we never got a season two or season three. Um, but yeah, I, I think the actual gameplay of Star Ocean 4 is mostly rock solid. I'd still like to play it at some point, but it's going to be on the back burner for behind 2 and 5 and 6. Yeah, I would say that's that's probably for the best. Uh, five, 5 will always hold a special place in my heart, because when I had... when I, I can never judge it fairly, because when I was in kind of a low point, you and another friend got together to make sure that like I could have the limited edition of it. And it oh meant yeah, a lot that's right. Me. Yeah, it was extremely kind of you, and I still think about no, that no, a lot. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Fireminer asks uh, why... Oh, we, I think we just lost Joe. Was he in the, uh, <laughs> was he in the chat? Yeah, he was, briefly, he was briefly in the voice chat. I thought uh, I said hi, but I guess I didn't. Uh, there was a ping in and a ping out, and I heard. Yeah. Uh, Fireminer asks why Star Ocean 5 and 6 never reached the heights of 2. It's a matter of Trice doesn't have the capital and manpower to make a modern double-A game with that level of details. I think it's a little bit of that. I think that by 6, they had fully uh, realized that they kind of couldn't. And so 6 is ambitious, but in different ways. And I respect that. Uh, it has it has a lot of that spirit, that tri spirit of doing weird things. Uh, which is another thing that I think kind of turned me off of three is the it doesn't it definitely has a bunch of weird shit in it but it doesn't front and center the interesting weird shit very well and it has maybe the worst item creation mechanic in the series uh, but yeah uh like star star ocean uh by star ocean five they're kind of like they fully understood that there's certain things that they just don't have in them. They they don't have that kind of uh, money to make a modern-ass game that has the kind of detail that Star Ocean 2 does. So they, they start trying to... They, they do a better job, I think, of blazing an identity for 5 and 6. And I think 6 is... I think 6 is actually really good... Uh, I haven't played that much of it, but what I did play, I actually really liked. Also, hi, Joe. Hi, I fixed my technical problems. Yeah, yeah I was worried that we had just ignored you so hard that you had left. And I felt <laughs> no, bad. 
<laughs> no, my uh, stupid Chromebook is being stupid again. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but... but I heard him say, oh, I hope I, I get this character to join me, and that's why I said, you get nothing. Good day, sir. Oh, oh that explains it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Oh, hey, also the game has tutorials explaining how item creation and specialties work. Wow. What Which a is, novel idea. Yeah, very very novel compared to the original, where there was just a menu that the game never told you anything about. Nice. <laughs> and uh, was empty until you found someone that already had skills. Are there other characters uh, in this city I can recruit? There is no one to recruit as of yet. Uh, you ran into a flag that will open up other characters. But for now, no, there's no one in here. Uh, okay. But, uh, yeah, hey, you're in private action mode. Yes. That's important to do if you start pickpocketing, because characters think less of you if you're pickpocketing while they're there. <laughs> <laughs> Another just beautiful bit of nonsensical detail. My personal favorite... I, I didn't even bring up my true favorite way to completely bust the game wide open early on. There is mm -hmm. a person who is acting like a like deranged street preacher in an early town that if you pickpocket them you'll get an item in the original game it was called like the mischief i think uh i forget what it's called now but basically it's an mm -hmm. item that every so often it just deposits something in your inventory <laughs> uh and it has a list of items that it can pull and most of them are pretty benign except for one called like the fake metal or substitute metal or something and what the substitute, the the counterfeit metal or whatever, does is when you use it on a character, it makes it so up until level one hundred, they only need one experience to gain a level. Oh, so you can yeah, so that's a consumable, and it can drop those, and you could get a bunch of them that way, but it would take a long time. So instead, what you can do is when you first get one, you can. Uh, unlock the super specialty, which you get by getting the same, the right specialty with all of your party members, or at least a, like a large number of them, called counterfeiting, and that allows you to just duplicate items. Like it is, it is an in-game item dupe exploit that works on certain items, and one of them is the counterfeit metal. So you can just dupe counterfeit metals over and over, and like a quarter of the way through the game, have your entire active party at level 100 in a couple hours. Right. I like it. And uh, from what I've heard, there is actually uh, like, I haven't confirmed this yet, but I've been told there are warnings in this version of the game that basically tell you you're about to do something that's going to completely bust the difficulty curve. Are you sure? Which <laughs> <laughs> is really funny to even contemplate, but uh yeah the so you can you can build the the funny thing about counterfeiting is that much like pickpocketing or anything else that is like a skill but it's technically having you do something illegal uh the game does not uh the the characters involved with it end up liking each other less for having done so so like it it lowers everyone's relationship points but you can fix that by having characters write books about themselves uh, because if a character reads a book about another character, it resets their relationship values to slightly above average. And so you have the entire party counterfeit like a bazillion fake war medals, use them all, get to level 100, then write books about themselves in order to make each other feel better about the whole endeavor. 
Also, another very strange but funny mechanic is that uh, if you write a book, it's a consumable item, so if a character uses it, it goes away. But you can make it, you can sell the book and like to a publisher and have it published so that you can just buy infinite cheap copies from bookstores in the game. The hell? <laughs> it's such a weird game. I love it so much. I'm really mad I started with uh, one on PSP now. Yeah, First Departure was basically a remake to try to make Star Ocean 1 play more like Star Ocean 2. And it kind of works, but it's still, like, it, it's it's not a patch on 2. It just um, kind of felt boring. But yeah, I, I still like Star Ocean 1, but it's definitely not something I would recommend to anyone. Like, oh, you have to play 1 before 2, because it's mm. just like, no, nah, there's, there's no need for that. You know, it feels like like a historical historical curiosity thing. Mm -hmm. But First Departure R is not half bad. Uh, it isn't a, rem a remaster anything like this. Uh, like... When when they trademarked Star Ocean Second Story R, I was all I could think was like, oh, I guess it'll it'll be like that. They'll redo some of the character portraits and then they'll kind of be done with it. Yeah. But no, this is uh, First Departure R is basically they redid some of the character portraits, which is nice because the First Departure character portraits are not to my taste. Uh, but they the the redone character portraits are, are, are feel feel better. They f I feel better about them. But yeah, if, if you if you finish second story R and just want more Star Ocean that's kind of like that, uh, first departure R is probably your best bet. But also, yeah, she Selene is a jet is a guest as long as you haven't finished her recruitment quest. That's it. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I fucking love Star Ocean Second Story, and I'm so glad that it like. Oh, also the symbol encounters. That's a that's a huge difference that they made. Like the the original game was pure random encounters. encounters. Okay. Yeah, the original was pure random encounters. This has symbol encounters, so you can just uh, you, you have a lot more control, and you can back attack enemies on purpose. That sort of thing. It's it's just it's just a really nice remaster that really hones in on like making sure that new players can. Like, just to understand how good the game was. Uh, Trying to avoid the red symbols is all I'm going to say. Yeah, those are those are real motherfuckers. I walked uh, into one of those right in that beginning forest area, and it was like, it lets you retry as many times as you want, but you're never going to beat it. Speaking <laughs> of new features... Cause, uh, yeah, a few times on the first boss, because I was trying to play it essentially like a different game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in that boss can one shot you, and I was trying to play it like a Tales game where you kind of just get in there and hack and slash. I guess I guess I'm just I guess I'm just too good. I didn't have any issues with the first boss. Well, no. Once I realized that, <laughs> oh, attack, get out of the way of his attack, and dodge, go weave in and out. It was super easy. It's yeah, just they, like my brain is like deranged from trying too many Tales games for a, a game yeah. like this, I think. Yeah, they, they did a good job with updating the combat without making it feel like it lost something. No, it's but, nice. No, I like it. But yeah, so I've been... Yeah, I, I adore this game. I adore this little remake. 
it it means the the world to me that they would make a remake this good a remaster this good for star ocean 2 yeah, I, I was really excited when they when this showed up in the direct mm-hmm. uh, because um yeah i mean i've complained about trying to play games on psp before and it's not really like disliking the psp or anything it's just it's just the hassle it's kind of old hardware the battery's kind of dying mm-hmm. uh, and hey like oh one of the other things that i just i just think is really cute is the like originally it was like most ps1 rpgs where you had the one character who was on screen and the party just sort of walked into your character and then they were off screen but now you get like your characters are just all following you (laughs) and that's really cute yeah i've always liked games that do that it's a really nice touch like it was one of the endearing aspects of chrono trigger honestly yeah, but yeah, like uh, that, that was a nice thing to see. It really sells the the notion of like, oh, we got this big group. We're all we're all on a journey. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so just just nothing but nice things to say about this. Yeah. Just a wonderful. You must version. gather your party before venturing forth. <laughs> Updated my journal. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so let's hit some questions Fireminer's been asking. I've been reading the guide to kill a Tarask in D&D. You literally have to s- stuff sand into its lungs so that it can't regenerate HP from suffocation. Why can't we have that this level of freedom and imaginative play in Baldur's Gate? I mean, they f- they fucking tried with 3, and 3 has a lot of like weird shit you can do, but inevitably... Yeah, you have to somehow program something to second-guess the player better than a dungeon master can. Yeah. And most DMs have trouble second-guessing their own players. Yeah, it's it's just the infinite power of imagination is not simulatable, yeah. no matter how much tech tech startups try. <laughs> and, I mean, they did a lot. No, of I mean, nothing short of a Star Trek Next Generation holodeck is going to work here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baldur's Gate but, 3 does lots of cool stuff, but I think... Oh, yeah, I love Baldur's Gate 3. Of, but... I love it. I just... It's not perfect. Yeah. Yeah, it, it can't be. Lets, you, it lets you shove people. Some ways. It lets you shove people. Uh, yeah, that's right. good. There's, you there's, shove there's, them into holes. That's fun. Yeah, like it's a really impressive attempt to emulate that, and it does a better job than just about any game you've ever seen, but there's there's only so much you can simulate. Yeah. Uh, yeah speaking that, of... I remember before it came out, them talking about, well, how the hell do we do Wish? <laughs> And other uh, Dungeons and Dragons spells like that. Like, yeah. That's tough. Uh, just I, I commend Larian. Oh, speaking of commending Larian, they're doing like an actual nice physical edition of Baldur's Gate 3. Big fan of that. Yeah. Like, yeah I need to pre order that. Like everything, everything, <laughs> yeah, everything on the discs. Yes. Like they're doing it late enough that like there's a significant amount of patching. So if you just play what's on the disc, it's not going to be like, oh, this barely resembles what the actual game is at this point. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, I forgot to bring this up while we were talking about Star Ocean 2, but I was worried they hadn't done that <laughs> for the Switch version of this game, but... Yeah, it says uh, it needs a download, but that's just extra languages. If you just yes. want to play the game in English, you can just play the game in English. Yes. <laughs> and it, the download is also much smaller than what it says in the box, so... Yeah, there seems to have just been some miscommunications. Yeah, that's happened before. It happened with um, Monster Hunter Stories too. Like, it's got that Hmm. tag on there. You don't need the you don't need the day one patch at all to to play through it. Yeah. 
So I, I would imagine that that's there because of likely something to do with like the French language requirements uh, uh, in Quebec, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, hmm. But yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, just a just a wonderful version of the game, and also big shout out to the fact that uh, we finally got a Star Ocean game in English that retains the ridiculous pseudo Star Trek font on the logo, Yay. which they had been changing for the English releases for decades, presumably as some sort of like, please do not sue us. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, the, the Baldur's <laughs> Gate 3 uh, physical edition, like, tip of the hat to Larian for making a really nice uh, special edition that, like, if you want something like Baldur's Gate 3 physically, that's the kind of physical edition you wanted. Yep, absolutely. Um, but yeah, sadly, the CD version on PC apparently is just a special launcher. But. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why they why they're doing that, but at least the console versions are like the kind of thing you would want. Uh, yeah, like I'm totally fine. Like, give me the whole game on as many freaking as many discs as you need. Yeah, it's, this isn't like the PS1 days where you have to sit there and switch discs. It just installs, and then you have one play disc, which is great. Yeah. Uh, Fireman asks, at what point do you even release a CD? Just do it like Super Rare Games and shove the entire game into a USB. I mean, for a PC physical release, that's that's fine, I guess. I don't know if like, I think I think that Fireminer is just talking about the the PC version because that's yeah. the one that he's he's bringing up as only being a special launcher on the CD rather yeah, than yeah. No, I I would agree there. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't think they have the capability on other systems. Certainly not on consoles. That's not going to happen. But. Uh, but I mean, for other ones, like all these Switch games that are like, uh, there's not really anything on the card, and it just downloads the whole thing. It's those are kind yeah, of yeah. I, I was terrified that they would do that for this when I saw the yeah, when I saw same. that thing. So I was very glad when that did not turn out to be the case. Uh, Fire um, Runner. Occasionally, some of them are like, you know, the the ones that annoy me are like the collections, where it's. Oh like, yeah, like I really want, I really want a pure physical copy of these collections. It's just like, like the Batman one. Like here, you've got, uh, uh, Arkham Asylum on the cart, and everything else is just DLC. There's no way for me to get Arkham City in a cart and. Yeah, I, don't I can kind of see why they like. I would have preferred if they could have had Arkham Asylum and City on the cart. I would never. I would fully understand not including Knight on the cart because holy shit, I yeah. still am very, very curious what that port is going to look like. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, pr- like uh, on a on a professional level, intrigued at what on earth they've been doing, what yeah. on earth kind of wizardry they're attempting. Uh, like maybe they have maybe they have a Witcher three level port in them. Who who knows? We'll find out soon. But uh, Steam Deck now. Yeah. But uh, like the it must be mentioned again that like Witcher three is the the to me still like the high water mark of this shouldn't have worked at all on Switch and yeah. the fact that they optimized it hard enough that it's a perfectly playable experience on that system is 
mind-boggling. And so that's why I'm that's why that's what I'm comparing yeah. Arkham Knight to. But uh, to hit a couple more that Fireminer just reposted so that we wouldn't miss them. Thanks for that. Oh, I was just gonna uh, say um, just one more. Yeah, I'm gonna say <coughs> just one last note on the terrible physical releases. Like, you can get Baldur's Gate three, a game, another game I didn't think would run on Switch at all, and runs great. Uh, mm-hmm. The physical. You mean release... Divinity? You mean Divinity two? No, I'm talking uh, about, Origins. Um, sorry, Borderlands sorry, three. Borderlands three. Oh, Borderlands yes. three. I thought you said Baldur's Gate three, and I was like, what? Yeah, Borderlands <laughs> three. That entire game is on the cart. And mm-hmm. Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel are DLC only. Truly baffling. Weird yes. choice. Uh, but, because the card of that collection only comes with one, which is like... like Especially if you're going to do that, at least put the good game on the card. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> like, I remember there was like a Resident Evil 1 and Z... Uh, oh, wait. like So, for example, when they did the Resident Evil 4, 5, 6 collection on Switch... The cart was Resident Evil 4, because that's the game you would want on a cart. Yes. <laughs> uh, or, like, I think the Resident Evil 0 and 1 collection, it was like, oh, the remake the remake of RE1 is what's on the cart, because... No. Oh, fuck. No. Oh, no. Oh, why would you do it that way? I don't know. It's... I, I, I mean, did they just look at it and, like, okay, we'll put the first game in this list on the card? <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. Or, like, the Metal Gear collection that's just the MSX games, the NES games, and nothing else on the card. It's like, you could have fit MTS1, sure, motherfucker. Yes, I'm sure you could have. The, I'm pretty sure the smallest cart you can get is 8 gigabytes. You can put fucking I think, Metal I Gear I think the solid. smallest one... I think the smallest one is 4 gigabytes, but still, there is no oh, excuse. <laughs> Yeah, even like four gigabytes, you can fit Metal Gear Solid 1 That was on a two-disc PS1 game. You can fit MGS1 on oh there. God. Like, this wasn't HD remastered like MGS2 or 3, where, like, okay, yeah, that's going to be large enough that it doesn't fit on a four-gigabyte card. Like, that still sucks, and you should do better. But, uh, like, you know, I, I would understand it. But, like, with MGS1, it's like, this is a PS1 game that is, like... A PS1 game with emulatory software uh, and a, some wrapper built around it that yeah. it partially shares with the MSX and NES game. You you do not... You could fit that. You could fit MGS1. Like, at least make it so that the simple majority of games are on there. <laughs> it sucks. It's a, it's, it's a shame. Like, I want that collection because I just, I just want to play MGS again. Like yeah, I want a portable MGS, just but digital only, and for the love of God, just let limited run games do it. For fuck's sake, please. <laughs> yeah, let, let someone who will actually spring for the like. If you gotta yeah. charge a premium, charge a premium. But if like, like, yeah, like you Doom, know, Doom Eternal, like they just skipped their physical release for that, and you know, then fucking swept in, swept in, and did a nice card of that. Like that's great. Yeah, that has the game on the card. Yes. <laughs> I have uh, art. Yeah. Um, Never. I was just going to say um, that Borderlands 3 on the Epic Game Store is something like 90 gigabytes, and on Xbox, I think it's 75 or 80. So I have no idea how they shrunk that down for Switch, but, you know, good on them, right? Uh, Extreme technical not, wizardry. Not only did they <laughs> shrink it down enough that it could fit on a single cart, 
but it runs better than Borderlands 1, 2, or pre-sequel on Switch. Right. <laughs> Nightmarish. Like, Good job. Excuse me? <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, y- yes, part of that is just that those games are locked at 30 frames per second on Switch, but still, mm-hmm. it's the fact that Borderlands 3 runs above 30 frames per second at all on Switch is, I don't know. They went for it. Yeah. Don't you fucking, like, we're not doing the Twin Snakes debate here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like Twin Snakes, even though I don't think it's a replacement. Um but I think the things that are good about Twin Snakes are the things that people were most pissed about at the time. Uh, Ryu Hekitomoto's uh, cutscene direction. But I just uh, remember starting it up and the music was different and I could never get over that. What? The music's different. I think that Kitamoto's like, completely like b- fucking bonkers cutscene direction is the most fun thing going on in... Uh, Twin Snakes, like, it's nuts, it's ridiculous, and, like, that's what I want. I want it to be as ridiculous as possible, because it's like, yeah, I I already have the great, like, the, the great, more subdued cutscene direction of the original. Give me nuts, give me crazy. Uh, whereas, like, the gameplay changes are all to a man worse. Uh, but, yeah, um... Farmer says, but when you release games with super rare games with Luminary games, you'll definitely have to deal with scalpers. No. Luminary games is... Everything is an open pre-order. Yeah, you'll have to deal with scalpers down the line, but you do that with most anything. And even then, I haven't seen most of the expensive limited run games like after that point are the early releases. All the other ones I've seen are you can probably find them on eBay for at or slightly above what they originally released for. Yeah, so I'm going to hit a couple of these from Fireminer because we are deep, uh, because he's had to repost them a few times, so I don't want us to miss them. Uh, talking of weird shit, let's talk about the complete opposite of it. I recently finished the Tales of Rise DLC. It isn't bad, but kind of unnecessary. If only Namco let the old Wolf team in the Tales studio shine. I mean, I, I'm curious how much of Wolf Team is still there. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like Tales games, but they have, over the years, become the definition of safe. And so I, I don't expect to also, be surprised by them. You also <laughs> raised my hackles talking about older Tales games, because I think the earlier games are shit. Tales of Destiny is good, and I'll fight you. Uh, okay, so just Tales of Fantasia is what I'm talking about here. I don't yeah, like Tales of Fantasia is bad, but... Uh, fight, 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 fight. We're not fighting, we agree. Tales yeah. of Fantasia is oh. bad. But, but I want you to Especially the version we got in the US. No, I don't think any of them is good. Is, is bad. They're all bad. <laughs> no, but the GBA version is worse than those. <laughs> like, not really much is the thing. <laughs> it, like, it, had, it, it mostly has to do with the slowdown during battle. I mean, the Super Nintendo version doesn't run super great either. Uh, it was better than the GBA because they locked it. Yeah, but it doesn't mean frame. much. Like, you, the the per, there just isn't much percentage in it. Uh, like, Fine on top of the Space Needle. <laughs> I don't feel like going to the Space Needle. It's, they charge tourist money. Give, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> I've had some pretty bad experience buying Shantae from Lunar Run Games. I think those were not open pre-order if you're talking about the older ones 
And yeah, you want the, the open pre-orders, basically. The price of those tells me that was probably the case. I don't really remember. I don't know. Uh, I think I was, that might also been, have been like GBC reprints or something, which yeah, those sure, got expensive. Yeah, I'm not sure which ones he's talking about. But in general, those Shantae games are expensive. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Shantae, isn't it fascinating that we're getting them trying to finish that canceled GBA game? Yeah, that's kind of cool. Shantae Advanced Risky Revolution, which we we just got confirmation, uh, unsurprisingly, that yes, it will be coming out on Switch. <laughs> no, that's, uh... I thought they were just going to put it on the Game Boy Advance app. That would have been cool. I don't know that Nintendo would have fl- uh, bid on that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> they generally want things that actually existed, yeah. <laughs> especially because there's. I'm not convinced that given some of the like, I, like because one of the things that they seem to be doing, and I've seen people that are slightly disappointed in this, although I understand it, is that they seem to be just ripping some assets out of the later games to finish out this game while being able to make use of some assets that were made for like Risky's Revenge or Pirate's Curse. Uh, but they they look kind of out of place next to the things that are just here's the old Shantae advance art that we still had lying around. Uh, and I understand being disappointed by that, but it's it's neat that it's happening at all because I remember that was my first exposure to Shantae was seeing a preview for Shantae advance in an old issue of EGM. So it's it's fascinating to see them go back and try to finish. I vaguely that. want to say I remember something from an old Nintendo Power. Mm-hmm. An old what? Uh, Nintendo Power. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm having trouble hearing you. Yeah, you're a little quiet, but... Now, let me let me see if uh, Discord messed up my audio again. It's likely. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so hitting that quickly, but yeah, I, I really think it's neat that they still had some assets and the gumption to go back and try to f- interpolate a finished... Uh, version and it'll never be what Shantae Advance would have been if it had come out in like 2003 but it's neat that they're doing it anyway uh, let's see so some more from Fireminer uh, oh yeah uh, relating to the last question uh, what do you think when you see the Bandai Namco name on the title screen passable licensed game experience uh, I don't really like I don't have strong expectations out of Bandai Namco because they're just a big conglomerate. So it's like, I expect I will get a game that looks like it has budget and is relatively polished. <laughs> I expect that if it's based on an anime, um, not It'll be acceptable. Dragon Ball, it probably won't have a dub. And I will be sad. <laughs> didn't, they dub, didn't they dub One Piece Odyssey? No. Oh, damn. Yeah. Which is a huh. major bummer. Yeah, that's a bit surprising. That's a shame. Uh, time I get excited with Bandai Namco is when it also has From Software, you know? And like, even then, I, I, it's like, this will be a broken, glitchy mess, but I will probably love it in the long run. Yeah. Man, I wouldn't say they're too broken. Glitchy mess, man. <laughs> How many Bethesda games have you played, sir? <laughs> I've played them all. <laughs> I, I was thinking it. Them all. <laughs> I was thinking it. Okay, so to hit some of these other questions, when it comes to PC games, especially, uh, wait, let me, okay, there are two of these labeled one, so I missed one, so let me <laughs> jump back. 
A lot of gamers can definitely put up with lower visual fidelity, but does that apply to music too? How important is the reproduction of music in games? For example, will you put up with the terrible music of GBA ports of Super Nintendo games? Uh, I've done it in the past. It's not ideal. It depends a lot on arrangement. Uh, you can arrange something. Hmm? I was going to say, it may also depend on if you're wearing headphones or just listening to it from the speaker and maybe not hearing it as well. Yeah, but like, for example, I played FF6 Advance in preference to the Super Nintendo game because I wanted a better translation and I got it, so. Mm. Uh, I played it because I I didn't have my Super Nintendo. That tends to be the way of things. Yeah, I sold my Super Nintendo copy to get the PS1 version. Oof! Yeah, Worst no, of all um, possible worlds. Yeah. yeah, no, I had I had the Super Nintendo version and I had the PlayStation version, but both of those were in New Mexico and I was in Connecticut. Yay! <laughs> you, could, you should have gone and beat up wheels. Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? At the time, I probably could have. <laughs> <laughs> you probably still could. Let's be real. No, I've, I, I don't. I don't. I don't do like fifty push-ups a day anymore. Yeah, but Wheels doesn't didn't ever do fifty push-ups. <laughs> Not even oh when God. I was doing Krav Maga. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to, to weigh in on that question. Just um, mm -hmm. like I acknowledge that the Super Nintendo had a better sound card than the Genesis, but and I don't care. We're doing this <laughs> because I grew up with the Genesis. So when I play Arrow the so Acrobat, when I hear robots farting, I feel like a child again. <laughs> so you did what Nintendo didn't. Yeah, when I Genesis when I'm playing Genesis. Arrow the Acrobat or Earthworm Jim or any oh, other any cross platform Earthworm Jim was games, on the Super Nintendo too. Yes, yeah, so my point saying, is when they're playing when it's cross-platform games. When I play those games, I expect to hear that horrible Genesis sound card. God damn it! To be fair, those games were designed for the Genesis first. Even if they have some truly baffling sound decisions, there's like a one of my favorite like "What the fuck is wrong with you, Virgin Interactive?" is uh, Cool Spot, one of the games that put them on the map, even <laughs> though it's just absolutely dreadful, terrible, terrible platformer. But people were really <laughs> impressed with the music at the time. If you look at what it's doing under the hood, it is having, like, the, the way that the sound is done is insane because it's just having all of the, uh, all of the sound channels are just duking it out for supremacy. Uh, like, there is, like, a set of sound channels that I, from what I recall reading, they can never actually play because they are never high priority enough to actually reach the soundtrack. So, so what you're saying is it's PUBG, the the sound card. It's smaller scale, but yes, they are just fighting and they always lose. They always lose out there. They're never high priority enough to actually get pushed into the soundscape. It's incredible. I love Cool Spot, and I actually beat it once. I swear to God, I kid you not. I believe you, but also you shouldn't have. <laughs> That was a Christmas gift from my grandmother. God damn it! Aww, very sweet. <laughs> Did you ever play Spot Goes to Hollywood? Oh, that was that was hot garbage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was isometric. I, I'm just thinking over and over again the power of nostalgia, dudes. The power of nostalgia. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> that's that's all I'm hearing right now is nostalgia talking. You can swap to other characters while you're dead. <laughs> yeah, this is a hard fight. Um, is this required? Oh, yeah. Uh, if you want to finish Celine's recruitment, yes. Uh, 
Now this in, whole in, well, whether or not you recruit Celine, oh this quest is required. I've never no, actually not recruited her. Yes, this fight is required. Okay. Yeah, I've never actually not recruited her, so because she's yeah, just there, she doesn't conflict with anyone. Yeah, so you recruit her after when you're leaving the cage. A cage. Yeah, no, an we, Yeah, we we've seen that, but. but the issue, but yes, this fight is required. This whole quest is required for the story. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this is this can be a tough fight. I think that if you just are good enough, you'll be able to manage it. But I just you're make have sure to, to over level it. Over leveling bores me. <laughs> yeah. This was a fight that I remember beating and seeing like one of the. One of my favorite bits of oh this is this is where the original translation was kind of dog shit uh, <laughs> was I, I beat this fight and I got so much exp that I got uh, what do you call it I, I got I got so much exp that I gained two levels at once and instead of you don't have oh you do have a resurrection elixir that's wild uh, but. Uh, I got so much EXP that the game actually, he, he leveled up twice, and instead of saying, like, Claude gained two levels, it said, Claude has two increased. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, the original translation is just weird dog shit. <laughs> and that's when you're ignoring how much that every character is constantly screaming with, like, the, uh... With some of just the worst uh, voice clips you've ever heard. Uh, are you whiz-bizzing them? <laughs> I was for a while. <laughs> but Celine's batting <laughs> was batting for days. She was bat she was batting a thousand. I'll give her that. Uh, so, but yeah, if you the can next get one of them dead, I think you can manage. But so the next part of the question. I'm looking at um, when it talks about PC games and, and DOS games being fussy about sound hardware, and he's he's talking about um, do you sound think the, cards. Uh, what do you think of the idea of them having a definitive sound? Well, you know, so what I was going to just say to that is um, I didn't know that Doom had music until I was like in my 20s. <laughs> like, I, when, when I was. Yeah. So when I was. 10 years old and played the original doom apparently it was just using some kind of like speaker on the motherboard itself or something and mm -hmm. so i would just hear all these weird blips and blippy blippity noises whenever like i opened doors or got attacked oh because you were getting like just the pc speaker the one that's what i think i don't think yeah, we the even one had a sound PC card speaker. in that old boss machine no yeah and, so I would just get these, like, when you could tell when a door opened or closed, it would be like, and yeah, so I didn't know even know it had music until much later, so, I, I yeah. wonder what your reaction to the Duke Nukem splorch sound would be. I don't know. But, yeah, so, Shake what it, I would... baby. Oh, yeah. God. What I, <laughs> play that with the Disney sound source. Um, yeah. But... What I would say in response... The Disney sound source is just extremely weird to have ever happened. Um, I'll be right back. I'm grabbing my dinner. Gotcha. 
But what, what I would say to that is kill the idea of a definitive experience in your mind. Um, like, especially with anything where hardware was customizable, definitive doesn't mean shit. Just find something that suits your tastes. If you can live with the sound, it's good enough. It's probably what someone had. Like, I think that we as nerds especially get really hung up on having the ideal version of an experience. And I think it's much healthier to just deal with, like, is the version of the experience I'm having good enough for me to be happy? And if you can reach that point, you're in a much healthier... Ooh, excuse me. A much healthier place. I think, I think we can all remember at least a few Gronyards we've met who just could not be satisfied with mm -hmm. what they even have right now. Because there's always in their mind this idea that there's a better mm -hmm. experience they're not having. And that's just not... That's not healthy. <laughs> no. That is not how you live a happy life, no. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, just just kill the idea that there's a definitive version of these old things that like we're basically like, you know, is the is the definitive version of Doom like the one people had at the time where like technically the game ran at up to 35 frames per second at like a specific resolution in mm -hmm. its original shareware shareware release. But a lot of people were playing it at the size of a postage stamp and it was still running at like 20 frames a second mm -hmm. at best. Uh, is that more definitive? No, it's just I, what it is. I still like. I still like the fact someone managed to get uh, Doom to run on a uh, on a uh, pregnancy test. Mm -hmm. oh, the, the, that's that's one of the that's like the hello world for weird nerds. Um, yeah. <laughs> I remember asked, so you mean that MK1 Switch port is perfectly acceptable experience? I don't think that game in general is. So <laughs> my I, response to <laughs> my response would be if you. If you don't mind what it looks like, yeah, probably. Like, if you're fine with it, it's an okay experience. <laughs> like, I, I've joked about it before, but I'll say it again. I don't think there's any version of that game that looks good. I think there's one version that looks funny. If I was going to play a version, it would be the Switch version, because <laughs> at least it looks funny. <laughs> Okay. I, I, you've made that comment before, live on the yeah. Skewa Inquest, and I, I love yeah. that comment every single time you say it. <laughs> I'm <laughs> glad, I'm glad. Nothing looked good, but one looks funny. <laughs> I feel, I feel yeah, like I'm, the... I'm, the which game is this? Mortal Kombat 1. The, oh, uh, yeah. Okay, the yeah, recent quite reboot. True, quite true. It's actually but, Mortal Kombat 12, but I don't know. They, they yeah, they, they called it, called it one because of the okay. reboot again. Again, because they don't, they can't write a good story. They have to rely on time travel shenanigans I mean, and multiverse like, crap. It, it, it's supposed to be ridiculous. I'm fine with the time travel shenanigans. I just think yeah. they've like lost the thread of these games were fun because the violence was stupid and ridiculous, and now it's like, hey, let's make this bone breaking as realistic as possible. Wouldn't that be fun? No, like, no, I want a person to explode in a rain of rib cages. I want to see Come four on. kidneys the... and three hearts, goddammit. Yes. <laughs> I want to see five skulls go flying everywhere. There was exactly. like a... <sighs> <laughs> okay, I was remembering this like shitty this shitty meme that I saw a while ago that was uh, Ed Boon magically summoning 30 billion fucking gigabytes to contain infinite files of the worst crouching kick animation you've ever seen. <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, oh my god, I don't, I, like, 
the the Mortal Kombat animations they have to be doing them on purpose. I don't know why they look like that. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so mo moving on though. Remember when people sold a single card that was both modem and sound card, or when they shrunk an entire Apple II into one card so that you could have backwards compatibility on your Mac? Yep. Why do you think there's so much less variety when it comes to PC expansion cards? Homogenization of, har homogenization of hardware and just generally, like, there's not as much, like, weird shit people want them to do. <laughs> and if you want them to do weird shit, shit, you usually probably want them to do it in software. Uh and yeah, things like sound, like you, the motherboard of a modern computer doesn't just, it's no longer going to just have a PC speaker on it as its only option for sound. Oh, oh. That was funny when that happened, though. Look, I like look, I got a, a high-end sound. I got a thing. Oh, yeah, it's, oh. One of the, it's the lady protagonist from Star Ocean 6. Yeah. That's oh. pretty cool. That's a really nice sprite. She, she's also, she's also really powerful. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Uh, yeah, you used to have to buy like a high-end sound card, but you can only go so far with the sound. Now the motherboard's built-in sound processor can do 192,000 kilohertz or whatever. You know, you can do 24-bit. You can't go any higher than that. So yeah, I mean, it's just mother. I would say just motherboards have gotten so good with just having much better components built in and and everything's just gotten cheaper it's, it's over cheaper time. it's cheaper to build in like there's there's only so yeah. much fidelity that people expect out of a basic piece of sound hardware and current current motherboards fit that like there's no longer a situation where like one of my favorite things was just like that period where it, like you can go back and it's like oh it a game in the mid 90s might need to have something that it's set up to do like like you mentioned with doom something it's set up to do when all you have is a pc speaker which is not a high-tech piece of it uh not not a high-tech peak uh, piece of uh technology I'm trying to think of like what the actual specs of the pc speaker were low uh, they were low yeah it's it's something truly comical uh because it was just part of the part of the setup when IBM first conceived of the like the what would become known as like the PC, IBM PC fifty one fifty. Yeah, here uh, I, I I pulled it up on their wiki. They, there's a whole wiki page dedicated to the PC speaker. Yeah, naturally, I've just been looking for it. it yeah, em employed a standard two point two five inch magnetic driven dynamic speaker. <laughs> Yeah, but there's like specific sound output that it's wired for. It's like a sing, it's like one or two, a single channel square wave. I want to say. Let's see. It's, Does it say here? Yeah, one bit sound physically manip manipulated for two levels of output. You could carefully time a short pulse uh, and rely on the speaker's physical filtering properties. Uh, to drive the speaker to various intermediate levels of output, but by by default, it is a one-bit speaker. It is on or it is off. <laughs> I recall once reading a wow. A, I think the original Game Boy had a better speaker than that. It does. The original <laughs> Game Boy's sound hardware is actually pretty cool. Uh, yeah, Pokemon totally sounds amazing on headphones. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, we'll you should look up like an analysis of what they did with some of the early Game Boy games and music, and it's like, 
okay, we're dealing with um, not literally non-existent notes that are implied. Yeah, you should go. You should. Uh, one of my favorite Game Boy soundtracks is the first TMNT game on the Game Boy, which is mm -hmm. in the Kawabunga collection, which was composed by uh, I want to say Michiru Yamane, who did a bunch mm -hmm. of Castlevania soundtracks, and it's a fucking jamming soundtrack. It's a pretty okay. Topic successfully derailed. You can go back to talking about Doom or whatever. <laughs> But yeah, uh, do you think that developers optimize their PC ports for server or industrial components? In the quest for acceptable PC specs for bargain bin price, people put some weird used parts in their machines. I remember the time when not all games worked great with Xeon CPU, and you had to go into the INA files to fix it yourself. I mean, I have n I feel like this is heavily dependent upon developer how high heavily prioritized the PC version is. Like. A million things about what they're actually what what their target optimization is for. Uh, I mean, I can't um, blame any developer for not optimizing for the Xeon. <laughs> but it, it was it's always like that, that's the reason that like PC games can you know ha demand much higher specs for similar performance to consoles. Uh, especially when consoles are relatively new, it's just that like it's you can get so much more when you have can make some sort of guarantee about what this can do. Mm -hmm. You you save yourself so much pain. Uh, I would say um, Baldur's Gate Two, I want to say, was a nightmare to run at first if you didn't have like a really good computer because there were all of these things like it was the first. PC game I played that like kind of forced you into this configuration screen on the first startup and it's asking you all these things like oh do you have this type of sound card do you have this type of graphics card and like what the fuck are you talking about yeah <laughs> I click that I have a Matrox Mystique and get immediately booted from the game <laughs> I forget I, I forget if it was I forget if it was Final Fantasy 7 or Final Fantasy 11 but one of them required like an Intel processor only. Hmm. And this was like yeah, right as the Intel either. processors were first coming out. If it was right as they were oh, first coming seven. out, that would have been 7. Because 7 came out a couple of years before 11 on PCs, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah. About 4 years, 5 years. Uh, so like yeah. oh, half the computers in my house... Actually, only one computer in the house had an Intel processor, and that was my mom's. Because mm. she had the newest computer. I was running a 486 at the time. I did not have a computer. Uh, this is why I have uh, no like nostalgia for late 90s and early aughts PC games. I did not have well, a computer. <laughs> most of our computers were hand-me-downs from her parents. Mm -hmm. So, the first like true computer that we bought... like specifically for someone was hers yeah like first i didn't computer... buy my first computer until i was in high school for myself yeah the first computer that was specifically purchased for me was not until like 2005 uh let's see um to, to hit that would a couple 95 more. i want to say i got mine my mm -hmm. my first like computer i bought mm-hmm to hit a couple more of these questions for Fireminer. If only Bandai Namco localized that PS3 Gundam Unicorn game by FromSoft, then it would have, then I would have an AC6 to Gundam pipeline ready to induct people into Gundam, especially Gundam UC. 
mm-hmm. has been screwed of its Western invasion by Bandai since the 2000s, despite being the most uh, popular Gundam sub-franchise out there. I'm not sure... If, I'm assuming that you mean Universal Century in general rather than Gundam Unicorns in specific, although... Honestly, Gund- Gundam Unicorns kind of a bad place to start someone on UC Gundam. But uh, whatever game with terrible sound on the Genesis, remember kids blame gems. Yeah, that's usually a good choice. Also, Fireman, I don't know if there's a direct line from Armored Core to Gundam. I feel like you might need an intermediary. <laughs> Something. Um, I don't know. I've I loved... like Gundam. I've... I like Front Mission. I like Vanguard Bandits. I have no interest in Armored Core. I love Armored Core. I have zero interest in Gundam. Yeah, it's... I love them all the same. They're all precious children to me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All of my precious robot children. Um, The debacle with the... Hmm? Dark. um, I never watched any Gundam, but wasn't there some... A really dark Gundam series, like orphan something iron-blooded orphans is fucking dog shit okay um, <laughs> okay just yeah keep going a lot of people really like it but it's dog yeah shit. but they're wrong <laughs> okay uh, wrong. okay sorry like to 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 lay this to 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 go into this iron-blooded orphans isn't even particularly dark by gundam standards uh I mean, we're we're talking about a series that in 1979 had a story about the protagonist's uh, like trauma caused by becoming a be, by being press ganged into being a teenage soldier causes his mother to essentially disown him. Okay. Uh, after he shoots like a Nazi guard, basically. Okay. <laughs> um, Original Gundam's real weird. Um, yeah, uh, War in the. War in the Pocket, you know. Oh man, War in the Pocket's incredible. It, it, it's a it's a rough watch. It's a rough watch, but it's incredible. It's yeah, uh, I think that if I okay, it has one of the best stories, I would say. Oh yeah, if I were to just tell people like, if someone asks me like, I just want to watch something uh, quick that is that gives me like the best of Gundam, it's it's War in the Pocket, and it's not even close. Is this game like me fish in a water fountain? Yes. Yeah, why not? This is um, hilarious. You can also <laughs> fish in one of the later towns inside of the restaurant because they have it like a fish tub. Which is really cute. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it like if if someone asked me like I just wanna watch a really good Gundam story that like cuts to the heart of the themes of the franchise. Uh, and I don't war. want to spend like dozens of episodes. It's War in the Pocket. It's like six episodes, and it gets four. in. It's it was a four. It's four. I thought it was six. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, it's four but, or six. Well, let's settle on yeah. that. Yeah, I'm do- I'll just double check while we're talking. But like War in the Pocket is the most like fully uh, fully set up to essentially just say, okay, yeah, I'm seeing six episodes, uh, okay. but. War in the Pocket is fully set up to just be like uh, the 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 nature of low-level soldiers being just murdered and uh, fed into a grinder for no real reason because there is no glory in war. Uh, okay. 
Cool. Yeah. And, and it also shows how it affects like everybody because the protagonist for War in the Pocket <laughs> isn't a soldier; it's a little kid who is friends with both of the with soldiers on both sides. Yeah, and who also, but he's as a child, he just sees the big Gundams and thinks those are really cool. I like the big robots. And then <laughs> yep. by by the end, he is emotionally broken. Um, it's uh yeah. it's a wonderful it's a wonderful uh OVA and absolutely worth anyone's time even if even if there are other Gundams you've seen that you didn't like like I, I would say give War in the Pocket a shot it's it is the ideal Gundam uh but it is a rough watch it, it is oh, yeah. a rough I mean, watch obviously. because it's because a lot of the episodes there's not much going on <laughs> There's not much. There is not. There is little joy to be found in this world, and when you when you get it, it will be taken away from you. Uh, but it it is worth seeing. I, I'm a, uh, it was what that is actually what dragged me into Gundam after having been turned off by watching some Gundam Wing when it was airing in the U.S. in like 2000 and thinking this is boring. And yeah, I <laughs> then like later them. I watched. Then I later I watched it and I was like, I was right. This is boring. <laughs> I still like uh, Gundam Wing. It's it's funny sometimes. Uh, it after after having watched a bunch of other Gundam, I realized that it's sort of like watching the first three. Uh, having someone describe the first three Gundam series to you after getting kicked in the head by a horse. Uh, because it's just like a bunch of random plot points from that randomly recombined uh, as though someone had just like suffered some sort of like brain altering injury. Uh, I, I anything like that. What's that? Like Is that on Crunchyroll or any streaming like that? What, War in the Pocket? Yeah. Uh, War on the Pocket, I don't think is. Um, yeah. Crunchyroll does have a number of Gundam series though. Okay. Yeah, let me see. Well, it's certainly available through illegitimate means. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> say, the first thing that I found when I googled War in the Pocket streaming was archive.org. Oh. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, get it while it's hot, baby. <laughs> I, actually own I mean, DVDs. I can't condone this. Uh, I actually uh, own DVDs that someone made um, using... Because I know... They're legit DVDs, but he lost the original cases because yeah, they're so in he made thin new cases. cases for them. Yeah. But uh, more in the pocket, I would say if you can track down Blu-rays, that would also be worthwhile because they are it, because it, it was. was it, a, I don't think it was ever put out on Blu-ray. It's too old. At least in English. Uh, yeah. There's a. It looks like you can get a physical Blu-ray from Crunchyroll store, the physical store. Oh, yeah, that's because the Crunchyroll stores now write stuff. It's yeah, or what? It's, yeah, it's also on. It's also on Amazon for like thirty bucks. Uh, the thing, the right, reason okay. I would recommend War in the Pocket on Blu-ray is just because it was originally an OVA. It was animated to a really nice spec. Uh, na naturally, if you if you would rather stream it first to make sure that you care, uh, that's worthwhile. But like, it's it was animated to a really nice spec, and it was shot on film, so it. It's not like it, the the source quality is extraordinarily high, so it looks really good on Blu-ray. But uh, the other one I would recommend is uh, 08MS Team. I like 8MS Team to an extent, but it really falls apart near the end. Uh, my like my favorite of the 
TV series is one that you kind of need a lot of Gundam under your belt to really to appreciate fully what it's doing. But Turn A Gundam is a wonderful series uh, that uh, li lives large in my Gundam love and heart. Uh, HMS team, second half is crap because they had to change the director, I think. I don't know if they had to, but I do think that that did happen. <laughs> it does. It does, definitely goes off the rails. Uh, let's see... Um, I have a wonderful uh, AMV to the to oh, the MS team. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, asks if anyone still has Mac old Mac Mini. I do, but it died horribly. <laughs> I die hard. I have a friend who hacked uh, his to be die an hard. arcade emulator machine. Can Roku I mean, it's just a computer. I don't think that qualifies as hacking. I believe what they call that is installing software. <laughs> Repurposing. Yes. Fire <laughs> um, Miner saying, watch Victory before you watch Turn A, if only to see Tomino's journey from mental breakdown to being fixed with medications. I, I can't, in good conscience, tell someone to just sit down and watch Victory, even though I kind of like Victory. <laughs> That's a, that is a... Speaking of rough watches, that is a rough watch, and... Tamino is also going through the worst of his like issues with women in that show. <laughs> so I, that, I gathered that from playing Super Robot Wars Thirty. Yeah, rip the Shrike team. Um, but yeah, uh, so like as much as as much as I think that Tamino is a fascinating figure, who has produced a number of ba of interesting and often as often as not baffling television. Uh, I, I do not know how to respond to... <laughs> uh, I, I cannot in good conscience tell someone to watch Turn A. Uh, like, I, I would say uh, watch some form of Gundam 0079. Uh, and then, like, if you can, some, one of the alternate universes. Because one of the things that Turn A Gundam is about is... That Gundam, as a franchise, is about essentially the recurrence of the same patterns of human behavior that lead to the same wars and the same conflicts. And so turn a... Don't watch X. I have never seen X. I can't speak for it. Um... But what I was going to say was, one of the things that I think is fascinating is that uh, Turn A is one of those things where, like, you see how much that creators, that, that a lot of creators do not care about canon the way that fans do, which is to say that, like, Turn A Gundam essentially holds that all Gundam is canon to Turn A Gundam, even Gundam that should logically be completely mutually exclusive. That sounds terrible. They're all canon. No, it's not, because it's about the thematic recurrence. The... When you get like the the reason the that it says mm -hmm. the hermeneutics, mm -hmm. like when you get to the when you get to the end of like because like this is only made explicit at the end. Like there's lots of nods to older Gundams throughout uh, Turn A Gundam, but right at the end, it explicitly makes clear that multiple seemingly mutually contradictory Gundams are canon to Turn A Gundam because Turn A Gundam is about like finally moving on from those conflicts. But 
Uh, I need help. What happened? What do I choose? What do I do? What's the correct choice? Oh, you ran. I don't know. I like this will just affect your your relationship values with you. Uh, relationship values with her. Uh, how the hell does Detective Pikachu have pretty good social commentaries? I don't know because I haven't played them. Uh, I'm not going to Google Pikachu mascot choke person. I do not need to be on that watch list. <laughs> also, should I be surprised at how bad it looks? I mean, it's, it's, it's Game Freak. They do what they do. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, uh, Fire says you're talking to a person who watched Brain Powered three times, Jesus, uh, and completed Wings of Reen. Yeah, no, I, I'm talking about to people in general, not I, I know that you've got knowledge on this, Fire Miner. I'm just saying what I would say to people does, in general. Does Fire Miner believe it or not, you are not all you are not solely our only. Viewer. You're just most of it. We, just I do understand. Yeah. I do yeah. understand like thinking special, that that was addressed to you. Special almost kind of guest host. Yeah, the yeah, text guest fun. host. Uh, but yes. yeah, um, our, our very special friend. But yeah, I was going to say my personal favorite of the completely like uh, of the dog shit Tamino shit is uh, the infamous Garze's wing. Uh, which is technically a spinoff of Aura Battler Dunbine and is mostly infamous in the U.S. for its truly horrendous dub that fucking owns. It's so fucking funny. Um, but I loved watching that with some friends who could not make heads or tails of it and then sitting there at the end and explaining, based on the lens of knowing who Tamino is and what he cares about, what had happened and why it had happened... <laughs> And all of them coming away with, like, they didn't like it, but they suddenly appreciated what it was attempting. <laughs> Garzy's Wing is a very strange uh, OVA. It's three episodes, it has the worst W you've ever heard, and it is a hoot to watch and be baffled it, it, by. It, oh, what's, what's the one dub that everyone keeps wanting me to watch? My um, sword is incredibly dull. Oh... <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to remember this now. Everyone keeps saying this one dub is the one I have to watch. I assume you're probably thinking of Ghost Stories. That seems yes, likely. that's the one. Yeah, no, Ghost Stories is a shit post. I was gonna say, wasn't that the one where they they had like no voice acting direction, so they just did whatever they wanted? No, they didn't have scripts. They they oh, had they a voice. They had a voice director who just wanted essentially did not have any interest in what the original show was and just made a shit post <laughs> well uh, they also didn't get full scripts either I, i'm pretty sure they had at least some amount of scripts no i, I think um, they just largely ignored them no one of one of those guys oh, um there's a guy who does like the his like really deep delves into anime yeah, i was i was look yeah like the source that i'm drawing from is like Old school anime ombudsman uh, Mike Tool, uh, who definitely did some digging into what the hell happened with that. But yeah, um, no, I'm I, the there. There's newer guy who who comments about it, and he said, yeah, part part of it is you know the director didn't care. Part of it was they only got like partial scripts. Mm -hmm. Like they but, got some scripts, but only like partials of them. Yeah, but it's also like he. 
he kind of tried to pull that on a few other... The voice director kind of tried to pull that on a few other dubs. Uh... But in general, like circumstance prevented it. Whereas, because like there's there's stuff in there that's just like obvious. Like e even if you had no scripts, it's not the choice you would make unless you were attempting a shit post. Uh, but yeah. Um, oh yeah. Uh, here, uh, okay. Uh, Okay, so to hit this one from Fireminer, the debacle with the PS5 Slim makes me want to know at what point a home console becomes too big. Just put together a home multimedia micro-ITX PC for a friend, and by volume, it is bigger than the OG PS3. Also, Blu-ray drives for 3.5 PC Bay are way more expensive than they should be. I believe it. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, if the PS5 isn't too big, I'm not convinced we'll ever see one that people just will flatly reject. Uh, but goddamn, I hate that thing. It's huge. Uh, it looks dumb. It, yeah, it also looks dumb. My pant legs have occasionally gotten caught on its stupid fins and nearly knocked it onto the ground. Didn't like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I, I still like, I feel like we as a society failed at some point <laughs> because back when the original Xbox came out, the, the amount of jokes about how fucking unreasonably huge it was were never-ending. And for good reason. And we now have two systems that are both larger than the original Xbox. And nobody says anything. See, I want... I, at least I we don't hear, have a Duke. I, I want... I didn't hear jokes about how big the Xbox was, but I did hear jokes about how big the Xbox controllers were. There were... De I sat through... Many a shitty image macro, poorly photoshopped, but beautiful in its own way, in the same way that watching a kindergartner play with crayons is. Shitty image macros of people, like, photoshopping the Xbox to be larger than the moon. And I feel <laughs> like we've lost something. I can't see those anymore. They're gone. Bring them okay, back. It's like, <laughs> it's like the... The definition of normal expanded with the Xbox's size. <laughs> so that, that no longer seems as large as it used to. See, my personal favorite. Inured to overly, overly tonnaged uh, game See, systems. My personal favorite with the current gen consoles is the one that made the PS5 look like a cat. Don't it's see going, it. I'm terrified by it. It was actually rather cute. <laughs> or at least I thought it was cute. <laughs> I think a lot about how people immediately decided that the Switch joy-cons in their like little like controller dock looked like a dog and i could not see it because every time because like the eyes are supposed to be the joysticks that is a heavily deformed animal i did not see that <laughs> okay uh, no, the uh, Xbox 360 was actually smaller than the original Xbox. Oh yeah, it's much yeah. smaller. The original Xbox is the one I'm talking about when I'm talking about huge. Yeah, the current Xbox is, I believe, bigger than the OG Xbox. It doesn't feel yeah. like it when you pick it up. Like the, the OG just felt like a brick. Well, the OG was also, it was much wider than it was tall. Yeah. Which gave it a feeling of being outsized in some fashion, uh, given how it was already huge. Uh, but yeah, the, the OG 360 is much smaller than the original Xbox. Uh, even the PS3, I think, is a little smaller than the original Xbox. Yeah. 
that that one has its own just truly hideous sense of aesthetics, but okay, excuse me, I'm about to <laughs> but yeah. Uh the, the OG Xbox is enormous for like for, for reasons that make sense given its development. It used a lot of off the shelf parts. Uh mm -hmm. that uh which meant they couldn't control the sizes as well. Yeah, they, there was since they weren't custom machined, they were less uh, you know, when you're using off the shelf parts that were originally designed for PCs, aka things that are designed to be large enough that humans can move them around without breaking them. Uh mm -hmm. You you end up with larger parts, and uh, by when they made the 360, that was a whole bunch of custom machined parts. Uh, they were there was no off the shelf components in it, so you end up with a much much larger system uh, or a much smaller system, much more compact. Let's see, uh, I want to hit something in the big list so that we don't forget. Uh, Uh, let's see. Yeah, the next time I dig out my Xbox and my 360, I will take pictures of them side by side. Uh, let's see. I'm not sure if I can think of anything that fits this question, but it's an interesting one. Are you... Are there any games that fail because they emphasize gameplay as the selling point, yet ties all of the endings and secrets to the player actually reading the dialogue? <laughs> hmm. Hmm. There are definitely games where, like, I've... I'd have to think about it, but there are definitely games where I've, like, not cared about the story, but had to at least pay some modicum of attention to it. Uh... Yeah. Like, your, uh, your favorite game got... A bunch of nominations for the upcoming Game Awards. I, I cannot imagine the kind of diseased brain that f fucking plays through FF16 and is like, that's the best narrative I've seen all year. <laughs> Somebody who hasn't played a lot of other games or just does not understand how narrative works. No, because, I mean, let's let's face it, the Game Awards are a bloody joke because it's trying yeah, to we don't have, Hollywood we don't have. Um, we, we do not have... Yeah. Good. Yes, yes, and no. I've seen a lot of people that absolutely love that game. I don't think I, don't I know. Think we, we can lay that at the. F I don't think we can lay that at the feet of the Game Awards. I will. I will cry no. into the night that all of but, you are broken. Uh, I'm not but, saying I like. And it. I'm a, lot saying, of, a lot of people who played and enjoyed played that game probably didn't have a lot of breadth to their yeah, experience either. I'm not putting that all. I'm not definitely not laying that all on the feet of the Game Awards because that game got yeah. Lots I'll of give praise. them. And continues, and they were it. all wrong. Absolutely, <laughs> we'll sit yes, down and I will write. Anyways, um, I'm, I'm just saying that, like, as a as a baseline narrative, I will sit down and write you twenty thousand words about how the game is a fundamental fundamental thematic failure in a way Mike, that does not require well, Michael, game experience. Because you would have played this because it's not translated. Because when I played it, of course, it wasn't translated, so I don't know anything of the story. Um, Camry. Mm -hmm. What? Camry. K-H-A-M-R-A-I? Or Camry? Yeah, I don't, I don't think oh, he's oh, hmm. the, the God game? Yeah. I'm, I'm guessing I couldn't read it. Camry. <laughs> um, the, the, the combat was kind of similar to Star Ocean, where you had just a bunch of people running around the field, and you can kind of give them vague directions on what to do. 
and then it would switch between like two different protagonists. Yeah, one was uh, like a um, a human kid from the the uh, literally the back country, and the other was a god child. Yeah. Yeah. Or god god Did that one fall into that? Race in the game. Yeah. Did that one yeah. fall into the uh, the story is bad, gameplay is good thing. <laughs> oh no, no, that was definitely okay. a what the um I I gave that one a two large ba uh, based largely on how bad it played. Mm. Um, I mean, like this this was a game that based a lot of its tactics in the battle based on how much your characters liked you, mm. like the main character, but the way that they had based the um. The friendship levels going up and down was like more damage meant friendship goes down, healing means uh, friendship goes up, and they didn't calculate. They didn't. I have no idea how they calculated this, but nickel and dime damage could take you down from ninety percent to ten percent within a battle, and you could not heal fast enough to make up for that. Okay. Oh, that sounds. No, awful. I was just asking if uh, about the in regards to the specific of the question. So, yeah, I, oh. I, I think he's no, saying no. that. Um, oh, okay. No, no, I mean the only issue with not being able to read it properly is that you wouldn't necessarily. I mean, even being able to read it properly, you had trouble finding all the uh, the plot flags in any given town to progress the story properly. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, you, you had to jump through hoops uh... to get it to progress. This is one that just popped into my mind that, like, it's not, like, that there's a ton of secrets that you'll miss, but, like, it's a case of, like, I don't like the game nearly so much when people are opening their mouths, and it's Star Ocean 4. <laughs> and I know yeah, that, Star like, Ocean that's... 4. I've heard that yeah, no, I was about to say, I know that that's going to be a little uh, contentious for Tam, but... Oh, I know people who... So, here's what's funny, is, like, I like Star Ocean 4, I like Star Ocean 6... I'm like not a big fan of one. I enjoy two, but I do think it's it, it was a flawed game. The remake is amazing. Um, I hate that, or I hate three. But what's interesting is uh, Hero Harmony, aka Peter, hates six with a passion. Huh. Can't wow. imagine. I th I think his issue was he could not figure out how to do the blind sighting. Oh, I even yeah, tried to walk him important. through it, and he, it still wasn't clicking. Mm -hmm. so. I should get Divine Force on PC and play it on Steam Deck. That'd be fun. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know if it's Steam Deck verified. I'm pretty sure it is, but I, I, I'm I'm looking right now because I own it on Steam. Yeah, let me check. This... Might be unsupported, or or it might just have the yellow exclamation point. Uh, let's see. see. The game runs good after shaders are compiled. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing some some claims that it at least runs acceptably. Okay. Oh, that's good. Also, um, it's on PlayStation Plus now, anyways, so... Yeah, but I'd, I'd rather play it portably. You know what? <laughs> I, I hear you. Okay. You know what? I, I, I think I, I, think I uh, have, have a game series for this question. Mm -hmm. Generations mm -hmm. of Chaos. Oh, God, I never, I never tried that one. Is that... Umpile Heart? No, that or, was or, um, the other... Um, ID Factory? No, and... No, no, uh, Neverland. Oh. Neverland, oh, Yeah, huh. Neverland. Which also, oh, okay. you know, falls with, I, I, you know, Idea Factory, Compile Heart, that whole group of people, but Neverland's the one that went actually fully belly up. 
but those were games where they kind of emphasize a lot with the gameplay, but there's a lot of story going on in those games, then some of it could change how you dealt with the games. Mm-hmm. Not record of Agoras War Firebenders. Oh God, no! Oh, that that the gameplay in that wasn't good. Is the problem? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and that and that's just and that's sort of just an ogre battle battle system. Tact, it's sort of ish, no. but it's but it's not. <laughs> no. It doesn't lock you out of like <laughs> endings or anything. Oh, you're talking about. I'm. You're talking about. Um... The question. Yeah, you're not talking about Record of Agoras 4. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not Agoras talking about 4. Record of Agoras 4. Those are just bad games. Yes, they're very bad. Yeah, like even even if you decide you just want the combat, you're going to get bad combat. Except for the f- fourth game where it's just a turn-based combat. I, I can't even imagine having seen three of those come out and be like, I'm going to continue attempting this. I'm going to keep trying to find one of these. They're good. just a factory of ideas, man. Yeah. But no, the first three games were all like that weird combination tactical strategy game. It was more they those had bad storytelling. They were bad. They didn't knock you out of endings, they were just bad storytelling. They had bad stories and bad gameplay. They were bad. Yeah. I remember like feverishly attempting to complete one for review the the first game way back in the day. Uh, I read that. I read. I read your impression because uh, <laughs> you couldn't finish it. I, oh, I didn't bother writing an impression. That must have been someone else. Like, oh I, yeah, I no, got, someone did oh, a deep, either did a deep look or an impression of the game, and even they, they were like, "I tried and I could." Yeah, like because that was that was the thing is that when I was attempting it, it was like, oh, like the the because multiple people broke themselves upon the wheel of trying to. Finish Agarest War so that you could put out the guaranteed one it was going to get. <laughs> so, was it Mariage? I don't remember who actually ended up writing anything up about it. I just, like, that game broke Agarest me. Was Josh Carpenter. Yeah, that oh, game Scott. broke. Okay. Yeah, uh, that that game broke a lot of a lot of like a lot of plenty stuff. of pe- plenty of people tried like they're. That game did not have a did not lack a review for lack of trying. Mm. <laughs> see, and yeah, Jooms did it years and years ago. Pretty sure that broke mm. Jooms. <laughs> yes, um, we, we kept. It was a long-standing joke trying to get him to review the other games in the series, and he kept refusing. I, I cannot yeah, gave, like that is man's inhumanity to man to suggest someone play more of that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Out of the the six bullet points, there's one positive, five negative. Yeah, that makes for sense. For James's review, the the one positive is ideas someone else can co-opt. <laughs> oh, you know what? I have a good I have a good answer for this question. What's that? Final Fantasy Thirteen Lightning Returns. <laughs> oh God, you do need to keep at least some idea of what's going on in the story to know what yes. you're supposed to do, but. Yes. Oh, 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 we, we actually we actually did get one person who uh wow I'm surprised he still writes for the site. Oh lord. <laughs> who beat uh, Record of the Augurist War. Uh, Mike Mo- uh, Mo- Mo- Minky? Minky. Minky. Yeah, Minky. Yeah. That's yeah. That's yeah. Oh. yeah, that was he the was... one that I was just reading off of from the old site. 
I, I assume it got a oh, one out of five, but me. I didn't check. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah, um, it, Jay Scarp's review of Mariage had a link to the archive old website. So that's what I was oh. reading off of. Yeah. No, I'm actually on the archive red site. When I hit the review and try and read it, it gives me a 404 error. Weird. Uh, no, then check up. Um, make sure that it actually has archive.rpgamer.com at the top because yeah. some of the links, um, like it automatically does admit. Some of the links um. were originally made to assume what the the domain name was, and they don't necessarily work that well because of it. So you just have to manually change it to archive at the top. Oh, okay. That's something I'll have to bring up to uh, Saban. Oh no, I mean, it happens a lot. Um, I mean. Especially on the old site where we were supposed to link up things with just slash and then the directory name. Yeah. But a lot of times we actually put in www.rpgamer.com slash, and that's what messes it up. I mm. loved editing HTML. Let's bring back the old site. Yeah, that's oh that's okay, why let's... a lot of this has not been fixed, and you just have to realize that you have to. Pe- but yeah, no, that's a uh, record of the Augurist War is just a bad game, and it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if it does do stuff in the story where it can affect your endings that it doesn't really explain well, that wouldn't surprise me, but honestly, mm. Generation of Chaos games, which are like board game RPGs, you know, so the company was super yeah. focusing on the gameplay, didn't tell you like some of the minutia of, you know, having to pay attention to the story or anything to get like certain characters or anything like that. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay, so we they did actually put Jim's review on the main side so- on the new side as well. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they uh, they put it back. They put it up last March. Um, what what did he so. give it? Just for curiosity, a one out of five. Gave, okay. one. Yeah, I was thinking like that. That has to have been a one. That is a one out of five game if ever there was one. Oh, yep. Yes. But, but yeah, no so. one else has managed to. Really, no one else should <laughs> complete. I know. Any um, I mean, war game. Just look. Just looking down here, I know um, Severin managed the second one. Oh, oh wow! Is that zero or yep. two? He gave it a two and a half. He gave it a two and a half. Is that zero or two? Um, two. Okay, Generations yeah. Of war two is actually the third. The second was zero. Oh, that explains why the title of the review is Third Time Lucky. Um, yeah. Imagine, <laughs> oh, that imagine the... having risen to risen to two and a half by your third game. Uh... Oh, no, the thing is, if I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the dates here, and Alex did his review in 2012, mm-hmm. and Jooms did the review of the first game in 2014. Yeah, just, just, just like someone to has to finish this. this. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Honestly, I think it would fall fall well within the rule of this game is unfinishable. Let me review it just to get rid of it. Yeah, I feel like someone probably could have reasonably made that argument, but I think by the time you after reach the first that point, chapter, probably. But I think by it, the time you reach that, pride for him to get it finished. I think it's also oh, the fourth by the... game's a two. Hmm? The fourth game's a two. Uh, but, yeah. I... I think it's I think it's also just a case of like as one of the people who broke themselves upon the wheel of attempting to finish that 
by the time you reach the point where you realize you can't finish it, you don't want to think about it enough to argue, please let me just finish and fucking review this. <laughs> no, I mean, th there is a, there is a, like a sub rule on our gotta finish it thing. Yeah, I know. I just, just like... If you argue to Mac that you, it's not finishable, then he'll let you review it anyway. Or yeah, there, there's, I guess there's, there's two sub rules. There's two sub rules. One is if you get near enough to the end and for some reason you can't beat it, go watch the ending on YouTube and just write your review because you got pretty much through the entire game. Uh, we mm -hmm. recently inst we recently allowed that rule for oh that Monster Hunter EA clone. Wild Hearts. Mm -hmm. Wild Hearts, yeah, because. Uh, JC Servant just could not beat the last boss in the game because it would have just because it would have taken him grinding one specific fight like enormous amounts of time just to get a weapon that the boss is like super weak to and he was just so done with everything else in the game mm -hmm. and that game's now canceling service yeah, that no, was a bit tragic, life, actually. It's not a live service game. It's not, yeah, it's just a shame that they decided that they weren't willing to keep, you know, building on it. Yeah, no, I've got, a, I've got like, but, a grand total of three games like that under my belt, and each time I just had to say, okay, I can prove exactly... Actually, in one case, I had to say I, I can prove I'm within 15% of the game left, and mm -hmm. this is why I am never going to finish at 15%. <laughs> Yeah, but and, uh, like, okay. In a different time, it was like, here's a video of somebody else beating the final boss. Note how long the video is. I'm twenty levels below where he is. <laughs> but and yeah, then, um, like, it was and then the other caveat we have is, uh, if, if you feel like you know, if you just can't finish the game, but you get at least far enough into it, do a deep look. Yeah. yeah. So, so all I was going to say. To, to close out this this field of discussion was that I found the game to have an innervating effect that by the time that I realized that I just could not finish it, I had no desire to sit down and think about it hard enough to write something about it. And I would imagine that happened for a few people. Yeah, I, uh, so, and I, I wasn't staffed at the time, obviously. I played it. I got through the first chapter and and I had like the DL, you know, I bought the DLC and whatnot to try to try and make Lordy. it easier on myself. And that is, and after finishing the first chapter, and it basically restarting, uh, doing the same shit in a different country, I was like, nope, this is a shitty game. Yeah, it, it's a game that like, it's almost immediate that oh, this sucks, but mm -hmm. it you. It's so long. It's it's such a long game. And like it it just it grinds you down at how how much it can belabor being terrible. But okay, this is a tangent and I'm getting tired, so I think it's probably time that we start closing this out. The, the Fireminer says, speaking of Risen, does anyone remember the three Risen games? Yes. Uh I'm sure that play like the first big... one on Switch. I'm, I'm sure that big uh, all my piranha bites heads. Uh, uh, I'm sure that they they all remember Risen. I definitely know. Piranha bites. Are they, they the ones that the, were gothic? those piranha bites? They were the gothic people. And after after Gothic three, they went on to do Risen. Uh, 
But yeah, I'm sure I'm sure all my piranha bites heads remember Risen. Uh need some Euro RPG fans up in here. <laughs> Wheel Gothic one and two are now on Switch. Yeah, I can't and, and I, I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> you coward. I have risen and uh that's I'm not going beyond that. I'm good. You're, I'm all set. Uh, you're a coward. I'll have to do it. <laughs> I'll have to do it then. Um, <sighs> but yeah, so that's that's uh that's it. That's a spicy meatball. Uh, tell me, tell me about. I, I need to know about pizza right now. I could use a pizza. <laughs> Gaijin. Well, let me let me move to a spot where I can talk a little better first. Gotcha. Just, just a moment. <laughs> hey there, Georgica. Looking down the street so fancy free. Sorry, I, I had it muted so my wife could have a phone conversation by the calendar. Uh, that's fair. So. A new Georgica. Okay. I mean, that's important. And the, uh, hope the dryer's not too loud in the background here. Yeah, I can't don't even it. hear it. I can't even hear it. What? Can you hear it? No, no, we can't. Okay, good, because it's the loudest thing in this room. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've been trying. I've been playing. Hit the mute button on my microphone quite a bit this afternoon. So. Okay. Okay. Oh yes. Yeah, so, okay. It's princesses. Yes. Hi. Hi. Um. Obviously, you enjoy role-playing games because we're on this podcast. Do you enjoy tabletop role-playing games? Um, do you enjoy reading about them? Do you enjoy witnessing other people enjoying them? Because this is an entire miniature industry, apparently, nowadays. Um, <laughs> if so, we have Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, available on Kindle and Kindle Unlimited, in ebook format by episode, or Dead Tree format by collection, and a few individual episodes. We tried that out once. Um, hmm. yep. So it's basically it's all fun and games until someone rolls a one and then it is just fun. Um, <laughs> the game is now over. Some... <laughs> oh, no, no. The game's never just over. It's just, it's a question hmm. of how far off the beaten track we end up this time. Um, <laughs> as a joke, yes. Um, that there was a moment in episode three that caused the entire plot to get derailed. Up to episode seven. Um, <laughs> just a bit of a detour. Um, that's part of the fun, and part of, or part of the fun is making that seem natural to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So Princesses of the Pizza Parlor by Michael Yarimizu. Y a r i m i z u. Because hey, Google hates my real name. Um, <laughs> Or hates me being able to find anything with my real name. <laughs> Don't uh, worry, Google's getting worse by the year. But not as fast uh, as Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I mean, very few things get that bad that fast. Okay, but yeah, so yes, please, please read, check it out, have fun. Please leave a comment or like a couple hearts or, or stars or whatever rating system you'd like to do just I, I would just like some evidence that people are actually reading this I so enjoyed the anyway first uh, so much i apparently bought one of the other ones twice 
<laughs> Cha-ching! Uh, well, if you, have, if you happen to have like a um, like one of those little library boxes in your neighborhood, just put one in. Go ahead. Yeah, I was thinking about that. Yeah, actually. <laughs> Free little library. Yes, please. But those are things now too. I would not say no. Just oh, buy a couple but more yeah. copies. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that there's a. I'm sure the those those are frequented by children. I'm sure that there's a there's a kid who could eat a lot out of that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, you know, give that a look. Uh, support a support a local artist, local to this podcast. <laughs> yes, your local international um, author. Yes. Yeah. International man of mystery. Um, but yeah, uh, Joe. Yes. Tell us about your streams. Sure. Um, if you go to twitchtv slash gamer, uh, you can watch my live streams. Um, recently, I don't have a theme for the month, so I did some Resogun, some Next Machina, and some Blasphemous Two. And also, I finished Super Mario Bros. Wonder, and I'm in the process of getting all of those recordings up onto YouTube. So I, I recorded every minute of my gameplay, and I think I found almost every level. So today, I did clear the last three levels of Special World that I hadn't completed, and then found out that there's more stuff if you actually get all of the giant purple coins and all of the wonder seeds and hit the top of the flagpole in every level then there's a secret bonus level and badge and stuff and it's like yeah. i don't know if i'm going to do all of that but that sounds like a lot <laughs> it does so That's good news though is recorded my whole playthrough um parts one through five are on youtube the last two parts are forthcoming yeah, Check that I mean, out. just from what I've seen from other st people streaming, it is Wonder is definitely made for people who like to do completionist runs and just find stuff. So it Good lets you me. know if you've actually gotten everything in the level. Yeah. Yep. It, so after running, you, yeah, after you beat what you think is the final level, the game will tell you about all of the levels that you missed, and then you, you have to go them, back yeah. and find them. So. Yep, so I was playing that. And then Blasphemous 2, I was ranting a bit the other day because um, I made it to what I thought was the final boss. It's actually the second to last boss. I cannot freaking beat this guy. And mm -hmm. I have all of the health upgrades. I have all of the extra flasks. I have all the fervor. I have everything. I fully explored the map. I do not have the skill to parry and dodge all of this freaking guy's attacks. So, yeah. So... Yeah, this this is a spot where you have a very good case of getting to review it without beating it. Well, I'm not a reviewer anymore, but yeah, no, I'll, uh, yeah, no, I'll... But, I mean, in, in a hypothetical situation. Right. Yeah, th this is a situation of, okay, I liked 99% of the game, and, and they broke it, and now I'm mad. And <laughs> yeah. So there is... So well, that, that's I, what I, I was... I did review one like that as well. I, yep. I did review one where, um... The game is, the game is built upon you know having a friend to, like have a parallel world adventure with and to unlock extra stuff. But that part's not really central to the game itself until you get to the end boss and realize that the fact that the game's blacksmithing system limits you to one specialty, it kind of assumes that you have a friend with a different specialty. 
and not having the best armor really sucks against the final boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, still gave that game a pretty good score. It was just it had a note on the side saying, please, if you import this, get another copy for a friend to play with as well. <laughs> you will need it. Did you, ever, did you ever get to the end of Bubble Bobble on NES and then it's like, oh... This is not a true end. Need- try again with your friend. Yeah, and then you have to go back to level 97 or 98, and player 2 has to get the crystal ball. Yeah, that's what that makes me think of. Sure. But yeah. So, so, so I, I stream all sorts of stuff, and uh, yeah, th- this month has not been much of a theme. I'm trying to split my time now between live streams and recording stuff for YouTube. YouTube, and, yeah. Uh, so YouTube, I did put up a video of me beating the final boss of Sonic Superstars with all the emeralds and that's collected like 800 views so that's great nice. you know I'm happy about that bad. um but then of course I saw a post online someone alluded to playing as Sonic and fighting the true true final boss and I'm like oh for fuck's sake so um yes and now it's time baby so then yeah so Super Mario Wonder has a Secret, secret, final, final boss. Apparently, and I don't know if I'll ever get to that. But yeah, it's sometimes it's it's cool. Like, oh, I have more stuff to do. But other times, you're just like, God damn it! I thought I was done with this game. So, <laughs> you can't go either it's way. It's called free choice. Uh, just come back to newer and shiny. Come, well, come back to it when you feel like it. <laughs> I do. Well, I do need to finish World Tour mode in Street Fighter Six. I did buy the character pass. I was practicing with Rashid and. Aki, so I will not lose the next time we play. Um, and and then so I, I uh, revisited that today, and then I am definitely going to go back to Baldur's Gate three because I didn't get that far, mainly because I was split between two characters. Um, yeah, that'll do it. Oh, and today I I did post this on Discord already, but I attempted to pre-order the Steam Deck one terabyte OLED limited edition, could not get it to work and then tried to pre the regular one terabyte did not work but it let me uh order the 512 gigabyte model successfully so yeah, you should know. get that soon and i will be you know talking about that i'm sure uh when i once i get it and play around with it for a little bit yeah so expect a uh expect a probably going to do a video on that because i like what i did last year was i did like a holiday buying guide type thing where i just played some of my favorite games from the year and also Mm -hmm. tried out some new ones just to tell people hey this is good this is not good and i did a whole video on the steam deck a year ago so this year i definitely want to do um some youtube videos of some of my favorite games from 2023 and that probably will include also gadgets that i may have picked up so probably just Mm -hmm. do a big steam deck oled review to start with uh, later this month or December. So I got plans for my channel, so tune in, please. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Smoking oh. Joe Gamer. I'm done. <laughs> uh, Tam, tell us about the RP Gamer stream schedule. So, um, unfortunately, because we are going into the holidays, the stream schedule may be a little bit wonky, but generally speaking, we have at least one streamer who is available, who's doing something every day. Uh, I have actually just finished up playing Crystar on a marathon session of almost 17 hours on on Saturday. Oh, dear. Yikes. Now, that was all by choice. 
because otherwise I would have just been staying here. you enjoyed the game, or was this like... It, it was a weird trip. Okay. I enjoyed it. It's a weird <laughs> trip. Like, it's, it's like, clear, end one. It's like, that's a bad end. Clear, ending two. I was like, that's a bad end. Clear, ending three. I was like, that's really shitty. Rip. Oh, so it's like but you but you have to go through each, but you don't roll credits so you have to go through each of those endings to oh. be able to do the true ending so it, and it doesn't give you a false sense of ending it just says clear you know clears one and then it's Rip. like final clear so you know you're done when but no I enjoy I did enjoy it. it it's definitely a weird trip it's very messed up um there were parts that did make me cry a little, so uh, now I am playing the Tales of Arise DLC, along with a lot of Nikkei. I'll cheer you up. Well, Nikkei does that just fine, because, well, actually, the story of Nikkei does not do that, but there's a lot of balance. I gotcha. But, Are you there yeah. totally for the story, Tam? I, I do not care to have no. discussion. I'm tired. Yeah, originally no. <laughs> we have this discussion enough on the forums now, or the yeah. chat, uh, the channels. Yeah. Every, yeah, everybody gives me crap about it all the time. But no, I want you to play. Yeah, it. we're not. Motherfucker, I am tired. We are done. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So unfortunately, our schedule is all sorts of wonky the next few weeks, only because of the fact like. Scar's out in Japan, and then he's got other stuff going on. And we have Thanksgiving next week. By the way, Can't are we? Believe do people do things for holidays. Are we doing a? <laughs> are we doing a show next week because it's Thanksgiving? Probably not. Uh, I was assuming no, but knowing we all, who knows? Uh, preferably, maybe not recorded on Thanksgiving. Maybe we can do the day before, or the day after, whichever. <laughs> I'll be we'll doing the normal, happens. which is working. Godspeed. Yeah. So. Well, why did you just like destroy yourself in such a fashion? Yeah, I, I was just care. finishing quests. I didn't actually want to play full another full match. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. So you can ask us questions when I'm less tired and cranky. Uh, you can ask us questions via the the comment section. I didn't check that. I should do that, but I'm tired. Um, you can ask us questions via the podcast section of the Discord. You can get an invite to the Discord by going to the community tab on rpgamer.com. Even if you don't want to ask us questions, it's a lovely community. And you can ask us questions in the chat if you catch us during our normal record time, which is usually Thursdays at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. But seeing it's next week, that will be American Thanksgiving. Uh, we probably will not be recording that night. We might record the day before or after. We'll figure it out. Um, keep an eye out if you want to keep track of that follow Wheels' Twitch channel twitch.tv slash askwheels which is where these get streamed uh, we also have a Sunday night show shenanigans where me uh, Wheels usually Joe, sometimes Tam uh, play multiplayer games in an exceedingly poor fashion uh that's Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, and it's a it's, it's a good time. Last week we played uh, some, uh, Wheels and Joe played some Remnant Two, and then we all played some Oops. Street Fighter Six. Those damn cubes! 
cube. Them. We beat the cube. It only took like three tries. We we did, but I hate that. <coughs> and then we did Street Fighter. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Fighting Street. Oh, that's good. Um, but yeah, so catch those if you want or not. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> I'll see you, Space Cowboys. Yeah, I gotta go to bed. All right. Night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Oh, wait, no, that's the wrong one. There we go. That's the outro. I'm a pro streamer here. Got my outro music totally not queued up. I can't find it. Where'd it go? Should totally leave this.